A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> to the Pull Hitter Podcast. We have a wonderful episode tonight. We have a special guest, Mr. David Mendelson of the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, as well as writer of Fantrax. And my other special guest is Mr. Chris Torres. He and I have been in touch for a while now on Twitter. Um, and I had the idea to bring him onto the show when... Zach Waxman of the Draft Champions podcast. I had an idea about bringing a listener of his podcast on the show, and when he asked that said listener, Mr. Graham Blakelock at Shrimp Boat Captain, he gave him an option to choose an analyst to come on with, and he chose me, and I felt it would be cool to reciprocate that kind of um, kindness forward to someone that I was talking to and listened to my pod. So I asked uh, Torres about coming on and he picked his guest to be David Mendelson. So I feel like I got to kill two birds with one stone and bring on a listener and as well as bring on David, who I wanted to get on the podcast as well. And it ended up being more than I could ever hope for. Um, Torres talks baseball, just picked up a writing gig for Razzball and he's got a pretty bright future he's presented himself very well tonight and i thought he did a hell of a job he knocked it out of a park and truly excited to see where he could take his fantasy baseball future so with that being said um we covered some some fantasy baseball talk obviously we went over some would you rathers we do a draft with home run draft with players who hit less than 10 home runs between 2019 and 2020 with more than 300 plate appearances. So we have a three-round draft with those filters. Um, Just interesting to see who our minds go to try to take for hitting home runs only. And then we did a runs plus RBI draft for multiple eligibility players only something different um got a little bit of inspiration from the way david has fun on his triple play fantasy podcast and they do some different things so i thought i would try to bring that to the podcast a little bit and as well as a segment where torres interviews me and david and asks us a bunch of questions about the fantasy baseball industry some metrics and statistics that we like to look into some some play would you rathers as well as some of our favorite fantasy moments and baseball moments in general so um and then we also had some news during the podcast at George Bringer sign so we talked about that a little bit and possible ramifications of the Blue Jays offense 
Yeah, we talked about a lot of good stuff. So, with that being said, here's the pod. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Tonight is a very special, very special episode. So this is one of the coolest things I find about being in the industry, talking to people on Twitter. Um, the, you develop good friendships um, with wide range of people. And um, one of the special guests tonight, his uh, name is Torres Talks Baseball. So um, I started talking to him a while ago when the season ended and, um, you know, congratulated me on my win. And we just talked a bunch of good baseball. And a couple months later, Zach Waxman told me about a member of the fantasy community that he was going to bring on again, um, you know, first time on the pod. And he offered him the opportunity to ask one of the analysts in fantasy baseball onto the show. And so he picked me and I felt like really grateful. And so this, this, this episode is dedicated to that. I wanted to bring on Torres and he chose to come on to the show, special guest, David Mendelson. Um, so I'm truly excited to meet these guys and talk about not only fantasy baseball, but just life in general and sports. So um, fellas, Thank you for joining me tonight. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. I, I first, Torres, man, I don't know why you picked me. It's, I'm completely honored. Uh, far from the best, far from the best looking. So, uh, but I'm very <laughs> appreciative that you picked me as, as, your, as the person you wanted to talk with tonight. And I'm uh, very excited to actually talk with you and, and see your face the first time. So uh, looking forward to this. Yeah, it, it is just awesome to be here. I really appreciate you having me on, Rob. Um, I'm humbled to even be on this platform. I mean, you have been having on amazing guests after amazing guests. Um, you know, so to even be on here is really freaking cool. Uh, you know, if we equated it to fantasy baseball, it's like you've been throwing out ace after ace after ace. And then you're like, hey, why don't I just call up this guy from single A and see what he's got, you know, with no experience. <laughs> Um, so it's, you know, just know that like, I could absolutely destroy your ratios. You know, I might, you know, do like two thirds of an inning, seven earned runs. And, you know, that'd be that, uh, best case scenario is maybe like five innings, four earned, uh, ugly whip, but you know, Mendy and, and, and you kind of carry the offense and, and get us a win. So just know what you're getting into here. Ugly whip. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe I just will look at your CSW and not care about the whip. So <laughs> thank you. See, now we're, now we're going deep. But uh, yeah, again, really appreciate you having me on and, and looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, man, absolutely. This is uh, it's awesome. It, it's just a great part of getting, you know, to talk to people. And um, I really don't care about my 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 numbers. Yeah. Uh, Torres, this is this is this is great. It's like I'm so excited to get into this talk with you guys. Um, so we have a, you know, I wanted to just get into some quick, you know, uh, you know, 
introduction. Tell me how you guys got into baseball. Um, did you play it when you were younger? You know, all that fun stuff. How'd you fall in love with it? I'd like to dive to let Torres answer first. He can take the He's floor. The all right. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I have been a baseball nerd just my entire life. Um, you know, my dad was a huge Mets fan. My grandfather was a huge Mets fan. I was born the week that the Mets won the World Series in 86. Nice. Um, and I turned out to be a Yankee fan. So <laughs> go figure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've just, you know, uh, I grew up watching baseball, grew up collecting baseball cards. I've just always been fascinated with the game. Uh, you know, was like memorizing stats on baseball cards, just like mm -hmm. a huge nerd. Um you know, so I never was very good at it. So, you know, I just kind of dove into the game by collecting. Uh, you know, I grew up with those, uh, the Yankees teams of the 90s. Uh, so, you know, of course, I fell in love with with those teams. And it's just carried over, you know, to present day now with fantasy. Um, you know, and I've been playing fantasy now for about, I'd say, 20 years. Nice. Uh, and and I remember like the first time I even like found out about fantasy, I think it was like 1998 and it was, it just blew my mind, you know? Cause like I said, I just, I, I love the statistical part of the game. So then right. when I saw like, you could actually like play this game and like compete against other people, it my mind was blown, you know, like, honestly, it was probably better than my first orgasm, you know, <laughs> it was like just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, <laughs> So I, I've played, you know, since then, you know, mainly home leagues um, uh, back in, you may remember this, Rob, uh, in 2010 or 2011, do you remember the daily news, uh, the newspaper here in New York had a fantasy baseball contest? Yeah. Uh, did you happen to participate in that? I never played in it. No. Okay. Well, you're talking to the winner right here. So you're not you the won? only, oh, I did. Yeah. So you're not the only overall winner here today. Wow. So, That's big yeah, Mandy, news. How, Mandy, how does it feel to be in the presence of greatness, fantasy baseball greatness? <laughs> I feel like I'm in the wrong room. Like, I feel like I should be with the loser circle over there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Um, since then, I've mainly played uh, one league, uh, an auction league, actually, with uh, Mike Podhorzer of Fangraphs. I play right. in his home league. Uh, I've done really well there. So, yeah, I've just kind of this year, I'm, I really want to dive more into the industry. Right now, I'm doing some writing for Razzball. Um, nice. So, Good stuff. Yeah, just, just started that. My, last, uh, my first article was last week. So, going to do some preseason stuff over there. Uh, hopping on your pod, obviously. So, trying to kind of get into the industry uh, and also get into more NFBC high stakes kind of uh, contests. So nice, that's, man. that's my backstory. Congratulations on, on, on the, you know, the position. That's exciting news, man. Thank you. And, and, you know, I don't know, you, you got the, you got the mic voice, bro. I think, I think you're already slaying it. Not, yeah. <laughs> you know, not to hype you up too early here, but uh, I, I like the mound presence, you know, you were talking about ERA statistic before, but I like your mound, mound presence in the first couple of um, pitches thrown here. Pretty solid, pretty solid. Appreciate um, it. Awesome, man. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, pretty excited to see where you're going to take this because, um, you know, you definitely, definitely have a clear, bright fantasy baseball mind. So yeah, that's awesome, man. And so you said you're going to get into some um, NFBC leagues. Do you have 
um, an idea of which ones you might want to try? Yeah. So right now my focus is the main event. Right. Um, you know, it, I was talking, I was listening to a podcast with uh, your buddy, Johnny L and right. that dude just, he hypes me up, you know, like I, <laughs> I started best ball cause I like started listening to him on Brian Seymour's podcast. I'm like, this sounds like an awesome idea. Uh, so I'm, I was telling you guys off air, I'm already in 10 best ball leagues, which is crazy. Uh, but, um, you know, the nice thing is that obviously there's no in-season management. So uh, right. it's, it's a great way to kind of get through the winter here in the off season. Um, but yeah, as far as the NFBC, really want to focus on the main event. Uh, I want to be, to borrow another phrase from Johnny L, to be in the arena. You know, I, I feel, and this is not to be arrogant, or uh, I feel I'm, I can be as good as anybody who's in there. And uh, my goal is to, you know, get in, uh, get some experience, kind of like you did last year. And, uh, you know, just continue to improve. And, and my goal is to, to be one of the top players. That's great. That's great. That's that, that that's a great goal because that's exactly what I got involved with the NFBC for, you know, um, my home leagues are pretty competitive and um, it was cool to just be able to, you know, say, I, I want to try this as well. You know, I, I never really um, dedicated time to think about playing it. And finally I just, you know, getting into the podcast and getting into more into fantasy analysis on um on twitter and like okay you know uh, i think it's something i want to try and it's good it, it's just a just just give it a shot man all it takes is one shot single bullet d mendy yes tell me about your um love for baseball and when you got involved in fantasy and if you think that Torres right now is talking shit to us already. Like he's, he's ready. He sounds like he's ready. Well, I'll tell you, you have to go from that voice to this one. So you're downgrading <laughs> pretty far right now. That's like going from uh, Ronald Acuna to Ender Enciarte. So I'm going to try to wow. do my best. So, uh, but no, I mean, I, it's kind of, my story is a little interesting in the sense that like my dad, huge baseball guy grew up playing baseball but I was always a basketball kid. Like I played basketball through high school and that was my, always my thing. And it was kind of like my number one sport, my number one focus, but uh, my dad owns 50,000 baseball cards. And so he would show me nice. and we would like, you know, send the basement, go through his boxes of cards. So I was always exposed to it. But in 2004, when I was in fourth grade, uh, was when I really started kind of grouping it with basketball. And, and it strangely started because in fourth grade, I did a book report on the state of Minnesota and I had to talk about one of their sports teams and I chose the twins. So they were in the book I was reading and I started looking at their roster and I saw Johan Santana, who of course had his best year in the bigs that year. So every single day, what I would do is I would always read the, the paper. This was obviously before you would go on the computer and look at their stats. I would read the paper and I would look at the league leaders and see if he was still among the top in the league leaders. And I would start learning Joe Maurer, Justin Morneau, Torrey Hunter. And I just became obsessed with the twins. And so I just kind of strangely through that experience of loving the twins. And then I would open up MLB game day and I would see like them facing against Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. And I would be like, Oh, these guys are good. And then that carried over to when I would play video games and I would see all these players and their ratings and, so it all kind of came full circle there. So ever since then, starting from the twins kind of stemmed my whole love for the game. Um, but 
kind of into fantasy, I had never loved doing fantasy baseball. And that was just because I was like, I can't do it every day. I don't want to set my lineups, have to do all these transactions every single day. I like fantasy football because it's a few days a week and you can kind of just monitor things throughout the week. I don't have to make like all these transactions. And then about six years ago, we started our very first fantasy football or a fantasy baseball league. My brother started it and cheesecake also was in that we were, um, you know, three of the first people in the league. And when we started playing, I just realized how much I loved it. I realized I was like, I don't even notice the daily transactions. I'm just so focused. I love the, the grind. And I love that. It, unlike fantasy football, I was like, this isn't really luck. I was like, fantasy football, if your number one round pick gets hurt. You know, you're, you're kind of screwed. And with this, it's like, there's so much stuff throughout the season that it's a lot more skill involved. And that kind of drew me even more to it. And uh, that's what kind of made us want to do a podcast about it. We just all kind of fell in love with it. And uh, it's just, we started that in March and it's kind of just taken off ever since and, and just made us love it even more. So um, definitely was a little longer before I got into fantasy baseball, but it is, I think by far my favorite fantasy game to play. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, um, you know, I just love the, there's so many variables in football and I just love the, you know, pitch ball, hit ball, and you can digest those, you know, that, that simple event and you can get so many evaluations from one simple event. And it's so cool. I feel like it's, you know, obviously we're still even so bad at it. Right. Like we're like, you know, we're right. Like 50% of the time and that's good. Like, you know, and, but it's still so much more enjoyable than football where there's just too many things. And, um, yeah. So talk to me about what your favorite formats are. Like, do you guys have a preference of like, um, like for home leagues or, or anything like auctioned? Is it, is it dynasty? Yeah. So for me, I, I love auctions, you know, and for the reasons that many people talk about, just like the idea of uh, being able to get the guys that you want, you know, right. and right. um you know, I just feel in like a, a regular snake draft, I just feel like so limited, you know, like right. I just, and it's so obviously frustrating when, you know, you get kind of sniped with, you know, uh, <laughs> player getting taken in front of you. So, um, I mean, I, I love both, but if I had to pick it, it would definitely be auction. Uh, not a dynasty guy. I just, you know, it's just too in depth. Um, so I'm not, you'll be bringing that knowledge in, in this podcast. Uh, Cause that's, certainly not my forte it's 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 tough i just got into it last year and um you know i don't know i was always i'm in like a lot of home keeper auction league so uh, yeah i love the auctions and i'm always like looking at the first 15 20 you know 30 prospects and then finally when we started the dynasty you know just opened up a whole new world and like anything fantasy i got hooked you know you just like yeah this is great i want more give me more you know <laughs> uh so it, and it was just great you know to just digest like you know baseball hq's minor league stuff prospects live and eric cross fan tracks you know eric, um chris clegg it's like just so many good things out there to you know to to learn in that respect and um you know, watching, you have to watch a lot of like, and just see if it's real rather than rely on statistics. So it is a lot of work, but it's, I don't know, in, in the baseball sense, it's, it's, it's great. You know, just, I, I love staying into it. What yeah. about you, Dave? What, what do you um prefer? 
I mean, I definitely, I, I like the fact of auction in the sense that you can get your guys. And so if you're really strongly believing who, if someone's going to break out, or if you think that you feel really strongly about somebody that you can get them. The only thing I like about redraft a lot is I, there's no, nothing equivalent to the rush of when you're about to find out what your draft pick is. And that's, right. that's kind of what gets oh, me point. going. Like, I, like I, I love, like, yeah, like we, you know, you're like, oh, our draft is today at two o'clock and it's going to be, the draft order is going to be out at one. And I'm literally like at 1259 refreshing and I'm oh, like, sure. and I'm like, oh, I'm the third pick. So I'm like, oh, I have a chance to get one of the big three pitchers. And then I can like spend an hour, like looking over my notes being like, all right, like if you start off this way, this is how we can go. And uh, that, that rush, like that by itself kind of like makes me like redraft us a little bit more, but I do like auction in the sense that you can get who you want. Do you guys have a preference in how and how you like to go about your auctions? I know this is definitely not what we're designed to talk about, but I love this talk right here. So, um, do you guys have like a, a way you like to draft? Do you like a star scrubs approach, or um, you know, do you have like a preferred thing, or is it change from year to year? Yeah, I'm more. Um, I use more of like a, a spread the risk uh, type okay. of approach. Um, you know, obviously, depending on the league size, you know, you're going to adjust um, if there's if it's a shallower league, uh, I may go to more of like a, a stars and scrubs because the replacement value is going to be much higher. Right. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I, I love how I you mentioned that because it's sorry, I didn't interrupt you, but that's a really good point. Like, and I think it's such a key thing to understand when you're playing, um, you know, keeper leagues and anything where you have to put that into play. It's kind of have to know that principle you know to have success mm -hmm. right yeah so again i that's that's really the approach that i take um i don't i don't know i'm just kind of a, a risk averse guy in general that's kind of my personality so um you know i'm just i feel much more comfortable kind of finding those guys in like the 20 something dollar range i very rarely will uh pick somebody you know pick like a mike trout or you know, spend 40 something dollars on a player. Uh, that's usually just not my approach. And I'm usually the one who is kind of just waiting, you know, while everybody else spends their money, which right. can come back to bite you sometimes because you, you have to be mindful of where everybody else is at because you could get stuck with a bunch of money at the end and, you know, um, then you're really at a disadvantage. So, uh, yeah, so very much spread the risk and just kind of be patient. I think that, you know, what you said is another key point that you have to be aware at the tipping point in the draft. And uh, when that tipping point comes, you know, guys perceive values or cost at the draft plummet. And you can get, you know, you could be the guy licking your lips, like, you know, looking at your money left and and you you can be severely bitten in the ass by not being aggressive enough. Great point. Yeah. And, and I'm, I echo similar things as far as uh, the only thing I might add is I, I take the approach and I know it's not unique, but I'll always nominate guys in the beginning that I'm necessarily big on and help eliminate somebody's salaries in the beginning, just to help it. So I have more money than others to bid right. on guys. I like later. Um, I know someone like Dave McDonald, for example, who's an incredibly smart player. He kind of has single-handedly driven up the price of Zach Plesak. So somebody, so if I have that type of feeling like a Zach Plesak where I'm like, this guy is going to be, I think because Dave, I think has him as a top 10 guy. Um, if I feel that strongly about a player, 
I will get him no matter like what the cost is. And it's obviously it's not going to be someone at the same degree as like Shane Beaver or, or Garrett Cole, because, you know, those guys are already going to be a lot. But if it's one of those guys that's got a little bit more under the radar and someone is bidding with me, if I'm that strong on a guy, I'm going to make sure I get them just because if I trust my research and I trust what I'm seeing in the guy, I don't want to miss out on that because that FOMO is a real deal is a real thing. So like, I'll definitely come up with a list of five to seven guys that I'm like, look, if the price goes up, I am willing to pay, assuming it's not something ridiculous. But right. um, the guys that I, I feel like I've done a lot of enough background research on that I really want to tie my name to. And if they have success, it's going to obviously be good for both ways. It's it's worth the money and it's I get the success that comes with it. See, I'm a little but, different. I will very like, I want to get my guys, but I always give myself plenty of options, you know, like at each position, uh, because I never want to overpay for a player. Um, I kind of developed my auction strategy off of Larry Schechter's book, uh, Winning Fantasy Baseball. Uh, and he is very much like you stick to your uh, your projected dollar value. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you really don't want to deviate from that. So I, I try to be very uh, disciplined as far as that goes. Um, and just one other note on auctions that I just love about them is like each auction kind of takes on a life of its own. Like you never really know how it's going to play out uh, when you get started. Sometimes, you know, the auction starts out where like nobody wants to spend any money and then you're getting like ridiculous discounts mm-hmm. at the beginning or sometimes the discounts, you know, everybody's just spending like a drunken sailor and, you know, uh, you get a bunch of bargains at the end. So I just, I love the different dynamic that uh, an auction draft can have. Get your league mates drunk before the draft. There you go. That's a great strategy. Yeah. No, listen, that's no lie because the worst pick I made ever in an auction draft is when I was probably the most drunkest at a draft. (laughs) And I picked fucking Coco Crisp, but way too much money after his career (laughs) season. And I just remember my brother looking at me like he he looked at me and I looked up and he had that face like, what are you doing? Like, I'm like, I don't know. Just like got to stop drinking. <laughs> like, I think it was like craft beer first came out and it was I was like all about it, like getting into it. And there's still land, but stuff like, oh, and it was just so strong. And like, you know, you start drafting, you don't realize how strong <laughs> these IPAs are. And all of a sudden, you know, you're drafting Cocoa Crisp, so. I never drink at a draft. I never drink yeah. playing poker. Not like I want to make sure I mm-hmm. am like laser focused. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm a lightweight, so. <laughs> Please enjoy this quick break brought to you by the robot himself, Mister Phil Duso at Phil Duso twenty seven on Twitter. Here's the robot segment. This is the Robot Is It Real segment where the robot himself, Phil Dusso, talks about random baseball stats. One of the hottest topics in the fantasy world right now is how will MLB teams handle innings pitched for their starting pitchers in 2021, following the short season. It's hard to do proper analysis on this topic because innings pitched are linked to injuries and performance. But here are a few examples of players who had a similar pattern to what we can expect in 2021. In 2017, Jeff Samarja threw 207 innings, then 68 in 2018, and then 181 in 2019. Also in 2017, Yu Darvish threw 186, then 46 the next year, and then 178. In 2015, Lance Lynn had 175, then 6, and then 186. 
in 2014, Adam Wainwright had 227, then 28, and then 198. Many starting pitchers had their innings limited in the past, usually because of injuries, and came right back the following year and had no issues throwing over 180 innings. Yes, young pitchers will be limited, but they've always been limited, so there's no need to adjust what, we, what we've been doing in the past. Pitchers who've thrown 180 innings in a season in the past should have no problem getting back to that. Many others have done it before. The only concern you should have are with teams like the Mariners and the Tigers that decide to go to six-man rotation. The Mariners had a six-man rotation in 2020. Marco Gonzalez made his 11 starts. He started the first game of the year and the last game of the year, which is pretty much best-case scenario. However, his only two-start week came in the last week of the season. If you're drafting late pitchers from those teams, your plan is usually to start them against weak opponents and in two-start weeks. But without those two-start weeks, their value drops considerably. So we have uh, a couple special segments. We're going to do a segment where Tars is going to ask um, me and David some questions, and then we're going to do a couple of drafts, one the home run draft and one the RB, run plus RBI draft with a couple of special thresholds and filters involved with it. So we're going to do the questions first. Tars, this is your um, your time to shine. This is your one shining moment, like, you know, NCAA college <laughs> basketball. So uh, no. Should it's we gonna play be- the music? Yeah, no, it's not going to be your one shining moment. It's going to be your first shining moment, but All go ahead. Right, yeah, right. so the floor is yours. You have a couple of questions you drafted up for me and Dave, and we're going to rock and roll. Great. Yeah, uh, again, appreciate it, Rob. Um, so, yeah, these first couple of questions are going to be more focused around general strategy, uh, and it's going to be for both of you to answer. Uh, so my first one is a question that, um, you know, many people are asking and has been discussed in a lot of different podcasts Uh, And that's in regards to projecting starting pitchers. Uh, We really don't know because of the shortened season uh, how teams are going to handle pitchers' workload um, this year. So how are you guys preparing um, in your your draft prep uh, for starting pitchers? Um, Uh, Get it, Dave. Get it. I was just saying, I – so – I've dove into a couple of young pitchers and some of the articles I've done already in this off season. And it seems like that there's not going to be a big increase just because that obviously they want to hit paydays and they don't want to ruin their chances of getting paid down the road. So I think they're going to be very strict with a lot of the younger guys, the long-term health aspect of them. I'm looking at guys like Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal. And a lot of these guys also are represented by Scott Boris too, which is going to make it even harder. And I don't see much more than 50 to 60 inning increases for those guys. And that's just, again, everything I'm reading about how they want to protect their future teams. Don't want to obviously hurt their futures by putting these guys out too many innings too soon. Guys that are veterans that have been doing normal workloads year in and year out. I think those guys are safe for the most part. I don't see them going down. I think that those guys are used to ramping up those type of uh, workloads. So I'm not too scared as far as veterans. I also am paying attention to the six man rotations that have come out. I know Seattle and Detroit, I think have been two teams that have already floated that that is going to probably happen. I saw the Padres today as a potential for that as well. So when I see those more official, obviously uh, as time keeps moving forward, I'm going to be paying attention to that and consider that when I draft guys. And then there's teams like the Brewers already have announced a hundred plus inning increases for a lot of these guys on their staff. So I'm just kind of compiling the team by team, the veteran versus young pitcher kind of risk and rewards. And then that's how I'm weighing 
as far as projections for next year. Right. They, they've nailed on a bunch of, you know, great accurate things right there. Um, you're definitely going to want to go to your vets um, or guys who have shown the ability to throw a bunch of innings. You know, your, your Lance Lynn, your Trevor Bowers, the guys, you know, you expect to just grab the ball and want to go competitors just want to, and guys who I think are well into their craft who, and that's the thing I, I feel like I understand the, the, the risk averse side of it. Cause I'm more that side too, but I also like to think on both sides of the ball and these guys are ultimate competitors too. And some, I, I think some guys it's, it, I think it may be blown in proportion out of proportion for some players. Like, um, but yeah, if you've shown the ability to throw some innings in your career, I don't think this affects, you know, the projection for next year. I think this is important where you want to look at skills, you know, and, and use, use it in, in unison with, a projection system or like an aggregate of them and just try to see if, you know, anything pops out to you and you just trust the skills and hope that everything falls in line. And obviously like David mentioned, um, you know, uh, the Brewers saying that they're going to do a hundred plus and three teams already coming out mentioned in the six man rotation. And I also think that the play for the teams to get some leverage and some movement on the DH. And I think they're trying to like almost, create it with you know like bring it into fashion if all these teams are saying they're going to go into six-man rotations maybe it's just their way of trying to establish some leverage and getting like an extra roster spot or a decision on the dh already so but yeah it's, and it's a case by case you know just it's really just going to be about identifying which pitchers you think should have that ability to project next year into a safe amount of innings and um yeah, you definitely want to be risk averse, but I think th- just trust the skills, trust some prior workloads, and just like Dave said, just do your best to soak up as much information you can and just try to make the best decision. It's definitely going to be something crazy because it's never seen before off the short season, and yeah, a lot of lot of different lot of different variables. Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering what you guys think. Like, do you think we are pushing pitching? Uh, too far up at this point because you know it seems like every year like pitching gets pushed farther and farther up but this year it's our you know it's already happening and it's probably going to increase as we get closer to like the main draft season um i listened to uh baseball holics podcast with doug thorburn and sammy reed and i thought doug really spoke um he made a great point about this uh you know there are just so many variables like you said with you know, the innings with, you know, the fact that pitchers are going to be much more likely uh, to be injured. I think, you know, Saris has said that uh, last year there was like three times more injuries uh, compared to a normal season or what would be expected. Um, so we're probably going to see something similar this year. So between the injuries, between uh, the innings, uh, you know, limits that some of these guys are going to be looking at, are we, doing the wrong thing? Should we be going in the opposite direction of kind of like devaluing pitchers a little bit? I don't think so because when I'm doing the, I'm in two draft champions right now, one at the battle of the podcast um, league, which is really amazing. It's, it's a, it's, it's the, the draft board, which is public. Um, it, it's going to mirror like a, a possible main event type league. It's been sharp picks after sharp picks and, 
Um, I don't know. It's just, I feel like there's, there's a gap in starting pitching that I don't want to get involved with at all. Like I, 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 I know that you can have, you know, a hundred and me, you know, 140 innings, maybe 150 innings, good innings of like a Tony Gonsolin. But I mean, do you really want to maybe trust that? I, I don't like, I'd rather draft early and draft your depth, you draft your draft your guns. Like I said, a Trevor Bauer, Lance Lynn, uh, Giolito. I think these guys are going to throw the most innings, and that holds value. And I think you, mm-hmm. while while everyone's chasing pitching, you know, you're just going to sit there and pound bats, and you know, and and really gain gain an advantage both ways. I mean, just from what I'm experiencing in draft so far, I don't, mm-hmm. I see the, I see some of the starting pitchers and they're not bad pitchers and at all, I'm not saying that, but I just, I just feel more comfortable in the front right now. And it may change, who knows, because I think maybe eventually, you know, we see recently in the recent trend in season is that the starting pitcher relief pitching split is getting more closer in innings and wins wise. So maybe there comes a point where, um, that happens and maybe the Dustin Mays of the world or not, actually not him, he stinks, but, uh, you know, guys, guys who are projected for, uh, you know, 130, 140, but, you know, might give you a good 130, 140, maybe they become more valuable in the future. If it's more, you know, of like staff just going to, you know, only one guy who throws 200 innings, who knows, or no one goes 200 innings, but right now, I think this is this, you know, pitching up front is definitely the most valuable. Yeah. I always go back to when Toby, Mr. Batflip crazy was on our podcast. And one of the things he said early on was he said, look, it's really easy to find a hitter. That's really hot. Grab him for a couple of weeks, let it ride. And then you can always just cycle in hitters. He said, if you get those horses at the front that are going to give you great ratios, that are going to be strikeouts that are, are going to carry your team when everybody else is picking up. And this actually hit me because last year in my district qualifier I actually was in first place for a lot of the season. But one of the things that killed me was I had to pick up Tyler Chatwood because I lost Justin Verlander <laughs> and Justin Verlander was my first round pick. And I also, you know, again, it kind of it stunk because obviously that killed me, but that one start from Tyler Chatwood where he completely blew up, killed oh so God. many of my ratios. And it, I, I was never able to come back and you having those guys at the top of your rotation that you're able to just plug in and have less of those where you're like, I got to pick up this guy to, to plug this hole. I got to plug this guy to fill this hole. I remember a few years ago, I waited till the fourth or fifth round. And it was the year that Chris Archer was traded to the pirates. And I picked up Chris Archer and Robbie Ray as my fourth and fifth round picks. And I started with three hitters killed my whole staff. And it's just like, I think it, it goes without saying the importance of having good pitching and that just that stabilizing everything. So that kind of Toby speaking it in the way he did and talking about the cycling, the hitters and uh, kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to that strategy. And I think obviously everybody else is, is well awake to that strategy as well. And that's why pitching is such a premium in a lot of these drafts. Absolutely. You I really, you just triggered, you just triggered me with that Tyler Chatwood talk. I remember <laughs> that start. I, I've had nightmares about that start. So thanks but, a lot. And another good point, you, man. like you mentioned Toby, and this is, you know, one of the things that he always talks about too on, on several of his podcasts is that he, um, you know, he finds that if you, if one hap if something happened to the first one or the second one, you have the other one to keep you, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in, in the running, you know, to maybe grind away and, and, you know, keep and keep at it with pitching. And I think that's a great point, you know, and um, you know, with all those factors, you know, <laughs> you know, I think it's definitely, uh, it's definitely the smarter thing to do. Um, you know, maybe, you know, I'll let you do a perfect mix of both. It's, you know, obviously that's the thing, like, you know, we're so, Oh, this game is so crazy to us sometimes, you know, it can just flip the script real quick, but um, you know, it's not just those two picks either. Right. It's not just the pitchers, you know, it's the rest of the team you drafted like you're drafting hole right now. Yeah. Maybe you go pocket aces, but what are your other 48 looking at? You know, like first two is huge, but you know, you got to hit, you got to like be consistent with your picks. It's not like just those first two picks are going to win your league. Right. So speaking of pitching, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, what are the three most important metrics? Uh, we'll start with pitching uh, that you look at when doing your player evaluations. For me, uh, I look at, and there's a lot of different ones out there, obviously. Um, I think anything doing with, with strikeout and, strikeouts and walks, so K minus walk rate is something really big for me. Obviously, the less guys that are going on base and the more guys that are putting the ball in play is a big thing. So that obviously ties all that in. Swinging strike rate is another thing. I Obviously, pitchers with higher swinging strike rates are something I like to target. And then ground ball and fly ball percentages I also like to look at too. Hey, is this pitcher a fly ball pitcher going into a, a, a ballpark that's not great for fly ball pitching? Is this guy a ground ball pitcher that uh, – is able to limit hard contact. So he's getting a lot of weak ground balls. And uh, so I would say kind of just put it in a nutshell, those three, if I had to pick three, but obviously there's so many that tie in, but I think those three encompass what you look for a lot in pitchers. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. I'm going K minus BB percentage um, zone contact and O swing. Um, And recently my favorite that I've been getting locked into is, also um zone contact it's just for me it's just right it's simple it's intuitive like here it is can you hit it and um so it's it's definitely something that i've been focusing on um a ton more recently as i get into like how much that stat i think um gets involved into the evaluation of a pitcher so mm-hmm. you know and mr michael's Simeone, our SP streamer himself, he just had a great article on zone contact leaders on fan graphs and you can head over there and read it. But, you know, it, it's a lot of guys that I'm focused on this year. Your, your Lucas Giolitos, your, um, you know, your Gaussman, GR bros, uh, Drew Smiley's, the Miners, the John Means. It's, 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 it's a good list. It's a good list of guys. I think it's something that's pretty important. And I think it's actually almost risen to like my, you know, I think, a firm second behind K minus BB. How much weight do you put into the ERA estimators like Sierra XFIP, any of those? Um, I, I look at XFIP a little bit, um, but um, I I try not to put too much stock into that. I'm not honestly concerned with ERA too much. I'm just worrying about guys who can, up front in my rotations who could put people down with K's and or, or innings and a good solid mix of K's and later on just stabilizers. So I'm not really concerned with like ERA estimators or even ERA in general. It's not something that I, I really put like a lot of my evaluation into. 
Okay. I definitely, you know, I, I think for better or for worse, put a little bit more than I should. But I think one of the things I do use it for is it allows me to look at BABIP and allows me to kind of look back at what their career BABIPs have been in previous years. So if there's been one outlier year to why that was so bad, I'm like, okay, they've shown the last six years, this is more what of a BABIP is for them. I don't think we can expect this high of a BABIP normally. So it kind of allows me to be like, okay, I could see regression, especially coming this following year. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I do use it maybe a little bit more than others, but um, it helps tie that in for me. Absolutely. So what about hitting uh, in terms of the, the top three metrics that you use when evaluating the hitter? So from coming, I, I play a ton of DFS. It's like my, uh, one of my number one passions to do for fantasy. And uh, it's interesting because when I look at it from a DFS standpoint, I look at three different things than I do for non DFS. When I'm looking for DFS and I'm looking at hitting, I look at WRC plus ISO and K percentage as the like far and away the things that I like to look at WRC plus showing the great representation of offensive value. And you can see how many more runs they're creating for their team than average. And that's really good when you're trying to pick out hitters that are obviously really hot ISO since it shows hitters raw power. So I'm able to kind of get a sense, obviously not uh, it's a little bit more of a, a precise stat for that. And again, the K percentage, if they're not putting the ball into play, it's a big deal. And if I'm looking at more in like for the regular fantasy, I've been finding myself looking a lot at like hard hit percentages, line drive rates, and then keeping that K percentage. Cause if they're making good contact and hard contact, then I think that obviously it's whether they're hitting the ball on the ground and they can just change a launch angle. Um, but if they're making, I see hitters that have weak contact and I see hitters that, um, you know, Kevin Biggio's come to mind. And you hear everybody talk about how they think, okay, he's basically performing at the top of the top level he can play. And can he sustain that? But when I see guys that hit the ball really hard and are hitting it on a rope, those are the type of guys I like to try to get behind when I'm kind of digging in on these guys. Nice. Absolutely. That's some good stuff, Dave. I, I, I have to get more into my DFS. I, I don't really <laughs> try hard enough to it, but maybe this You'd year. You'd be good, man. You'd be yeah. good. I, I feel like it's, it's in you. All right. All right. <laughs> Maybe, you know, I don't know. I need a little motivation behind it. So when it comes to the season time, you know, you got to, uh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. So, so for me, um, I have two metrics that, um, tr like for me, have been tried and true out of, um, baseball HQ. Um, and one is their power index. Um, so, I think um, there's there's a lot of proven um, data that hard hit fly balls um, is and and then like take into account infield fly balls and pop ups and um, it's like a consistent mark for power potential. Um, so that's something that I lean a lot into. They have um, like a like a linear weighted power index and then expected power index and. Um, it includes hard hit line drives and hard hit fly balls. And for, for when I'm drafting, this is like my main um, uh, evaluation for batters. I'm looking for guys who consistently drive the ball and can, you know, put, um, I think it kind of like ties into like WRC plus, but I'm used to using it um, from baseball HQ and I roll with it. Um, another one that I like again from baseball HQ is the hard contact um metric 
And it's it's pretty cool because it's just like a combination of hitting the ball hard and and like um, just finding the ground ball and fly ball differences. They incorporate a whole bunch of metrics into it. And um, I've, I've been like a that's been my go to for like anything hard hit. And obviously I've been tying into, you know, some hard hit rate in the barrels on baseballs. Uh, and you know you that's the thing like when you used to like certain metrics and you start using different ones you kind of realize that they're like alike in a lot of ways but maybe it's a little different and for the hard hit stuff too like um i've been getting more involved with like the deserved hit um by connor Kirkon and it's on alex chamberlain's leaderboard um and that takes into account like the actual spray angles of the ball so as i get like more and understand about that i've been incorporating that a little bit too and um my other thing is like right now for draft and hold my bigger thing is looking at ops splits for lefties and righties um and i think this is like an important part of when you're when you're really trying to add you know batting volume to your team um Jeff Zimmerman had has a little piece on it in the baseball forecaster and also in his book, the process where he has a, a ton of information on, um, you know, the, the, the OPS drops and the markers that you should be looking for when hitters start to realistically get platooned by teams. And I think this is something really good to take advantage of because when you're drafting your seventh, eighth, you know, like even your fifth outfielder, you know, the guy that you're going to lean on for your, for the, like the most amount of weeks that you can, you, you don't want him to be a reliability in that area. So um, I think that's been like something I've been really making sure to be aware of um, when I'm drafting, especially in draft and holds where you don't have the ability to, you know, make, you know, make um, fab. So you're just going to have to rely on the rest of your roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had never even thought about that. I mean, I don't play usually as deep a, of a league as draft champions, but, uh, I think that's such an important point. Uh, and we we're talking about how uh, really the edge at this point, you know, we all have access to great projections, right? Uh, but we need to find ways to be able to project playing time uh, maybe better than what the projections can do. And uh, if we can find something like that, like OPS splits that kind right. of give us more insight uh, yeah. into potential uh, playing time risers or fallers, uh, that's that is a huge advantage, right? And 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 it it's it's perfect because in in the forecaster they have the op um, the ops versus lefties and righties in their player boxes, and it's it's onto league scale, so it's a hundred, you know, and you can easily tell if you know maybe a guy is at risk. And then in the process, in Jeff Hemmerman's book, it's just like so much information on it when you and he has the list of players right there so you don't have to download it you can just see the biggest differences and it's it's great it's so valuable it's it's just worth like it's worth the book just for that section where you just can just like look at it and be like oh very nice like now now i get it so it's something that um like i said you know i i just i bought the book and i read it and i'm like wow you know that's to me, it was something that when I read, I was like, okay, like I, that makes perfect sense. And I'm not using this enough. So I've been using that a ton in the draft and holds. Cool. Uh, so my next question for you guys is which players do you think are likely going to be the biggest ADP movers between now and when we get into like the heart of draft season in March? Uh, so who's going to be moving based on 
like who's getting preseason buzz, like a, a Joe Musgrove, for example, especially after the trade yesterday, uh, you know, free agent signing or potential trades that still might happen. Who do you see really getting a bump up in, in ADP? Uh, I mean, I, you actually, I, Joe Musgrove is A, B, C, and D for that question. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I have a couple guys that I really like late that I think as things go on three guys that I have going after pick 300 right now that I think um, I know it might be a question you were going to ask later, but they were guys that I think could get bumps. And those are Cal Quantrill, Dylan Cease and Adbert Alzale. Mm-hmm. And for Dylan Cease, I think every, it's everybody has that bad taste in their mouth right now of uh, what he did last year, how many guys he was walking, but it's interesting Obviously, he went from a 5.79 ERA to a 4.01 ERA, but he, uh, besides obviously the ERA getting a little bit better, he's been putting in a lot of work to increase the vertical break of his four seamer. And this is from his Instagram that he's been spending countless hours with Core Velocity Belt, uh, the company basically to help fix his trunk rotation and basically make it so uh, he's able to be more, not just be more accurate in the zone, but he's actually also eliminating some of the cut on his pitches. And if you look a little bit more into it, he averaged 18.5 inches of vertical break his entire career. And then in 2019, 2020, it dropped to 14 to 15 inches. And this is going to be designed to get him back to 20 plus, which he's already doing uh, while he's been working out. And again, helping with as much of the cut of the fastball he has. And the other interesting part is that he's doing this while talking with new pitching coach Ian, Ethan Katz who, if that name sounds familiar, it's the same guy who helped transform Lucas Giolito, who was fed up with the White Sox old staff and went to find Ethan Katz and basically reworked his mechanics, his delivery, and got Lucas Giolito to the guy he was today. This was all, his hire was strictly off of Lucas Giolito. He was very public about that. And so he's sending videos every single week to him while they're obviously not in person right now. So I think Cease is doing all the right things. And what I'm reading, it really sounds like he's somebody that I could see that if in spring training, he's having dominant performances, his ERA rockets up. Another guy, Albert Alzale, who I've heard his name mentioned a little bit. He's had high strikeouts in the minors and he unveiled his slider his last two starts this year. And he averaged 12 Ks per nine in both those starts between 203 pitches from 2019 to 2020. So over two seasons, he's thrown the slider 203 times, a lot more this year. He allowed three hits total in those 203 pitches. And if he finally this year over his last two starts featured it as his go-to pitch, and that's what kind of made his whole turnaround. And you know, he's going to get a shot with that Cubs rotation. So he's another guy, I think as season as the, uh, the draft season wears on and, and more news comes out about this. I think he's going to rise up significantly. Again, we'll probably get the playing time with that poor rotation they have in Chicago right now. And I think he's going incredibly cheap. And the other guy that I've been attaching my name to, and I, I didn't realize Justin Mason also had brought his name up because I had thought I was in the loan camp with this guy. And that's Cal Quantrill who actually brought his name up even before the Carrasco trade. And he's, Fighting for that fifth spot, obviously, you know, behind Savale, behind Bieber, behind, you know, Tristan McKenzie, behind those guys in Cleveland, he's going to probably be the fifth starter. But uh, early on in his minor league career, he was a fastball changeup guy, had one of the best changes in the minors. 
And he basically took that away in 2020. It wasn't an effective pitch in the majors. And he basically shifted his whole approach to be more of a slider sinker. And that's kind of what he's been going to. And he only saves the changeup when he goes against lefties. And he, you can see in his approach and just the numbers that it's been doing a lot better, especially in the abbreviated 2020 season. His two-seam sinker has the ability to produce like a crazy movement. His changeup, he used just 10% of the time, but again, minimized it, made it more effective. And the four-seamer, again, kind of a trash pitch, not really there. But again, I like that slider-sinker combo he's featuring. The vertical drop to it is also really good. It was in the t- uh, 7% over the average in the majors. And I think him working with Cleveland and him getting a shot in that rotation, I honestly think he's somebody that's not being talked about enough as that next Cleveland pitcher that can take the leap. And when we had um, we had Aaron Savali on the show, he talked about the importance of working with Roberto Perez and how much it goes underrated, how knowledgeable Roberto Perez is and helps you know what to throw and I think the fact he's also going to get the chance to throw to Roberto Perez is also going to help his career. Wow. Man, I mean, that <laughs> that's why I had you come on the pod with me. Holy shit, man. That was good. All right. Thanks, man. Um, Mine is not going to be as you? detailed as that. It's just going to be <laughs> straight and simple to the point. Um, for I think for biggest ADP risers in general is all the unsigned closers. You have guys like um, Mark Melanson and Brandon Kinsler, just boring old guys, but they're hanging out in the 300 and the 400 ADP. And by the time they get signed and if it's to a team, which I think it would be to a team, I think Kinsler's going back to Miami. I think Melanson um, will get a job with someone that he's going to, you know, tell them I'm going to be the closer. And um, I think that if that happens, I think it's just the, the closers who sign and land in jobs are just in general we're going to move up the most they're hanging around in the 350 400s too like so um i think they're just gonna in you know incrementally numbers wise they're gonna go up the most mm-hmm. rob what do you i feel think, so Joe? bad now what's that <laughs> you you said yours in in 20 seconds i feel like i'm just a chatterbox no, no, that was great, Dave. I, I mean, that's that was awesome. I, I'm gonna, you know, when I go back and edit it, I'm taking notes because <laughs> I remembered some of it, but not all of it. So when I go back, I'm just gonna be like, all right, what did Dave say here? <laughs> awesome, I loved it. Where does Joe Musgrove end up? That's a good question. He's going, I think, um, around one thirty now, but. Got to imagine he's going to be pushing 100 pretty soon here. I agree, 100%. Yeah, off of the San Diego Padre hype. Um, Because I like the skills, and I mean, even now is a very tough price to pay, but I would pay it in certain circumstances. But this is why I like to to draft the running, you know, the the, the, the running back. Listen to me, the um, (laughs) the starting pitchers early because it's just I don't want to rely on the Musgrove, or if I pick a guy like Musgrove, I just want to be able to bake in his upside and not have him to rely, uh, you know, on carrying my staff. But yeah, he might. He's probably gonna go into the hundreds and, um. You know, I'm glad I got him a couple times at 155. So, <laughs> all right. So, this next question is for Rob. Um, which prospects do you feel are going to make the biggest impact in 2021? 
Okay, so um, it's funny because I just picked Jeter Downs in the bottle of the battle of the podcast draft. I just took him right now, literally, as David was um, treating us <laughs> with goodness. Um, yeah, so and I got him in the thirty second round. I think that he's just this is like a he's not one of the most I think elite prospect to wise. I think he's just solid. Um, he's just a solid tool set. Like he, when I watched his video, it just seemed very easy. Things come like the swing comes easy to him. He's got like a grace to him. And I think that's going to translate well to MLB. And I think he's going to have opportunity. I think he's, um, if you get the chance to, um, you know, right now he's, I think projected for like, you know, 120 at bats, 200 at bats, maybe he comes up later on in the season, but if he does happen to get up there early in the season and he can get 400 at bats, I think he's going to be pretty, I think he's going to be a double, double, uh, 10-10 type of guy. Um, and what, what a solid average. And I think, um, he, I think he's going to get the opportunity with Boston. So right now he's like the only prospect I'm taking in a, um, a draft and hold. Um, but I think, other guy I might be interested in is Anderson Tejeda on the Rangers. Um, I know they just moved Kalefa to short, but maybe it's a play to sell his diversity to other teams. And they've looked like they've willing to go young and um, maybe they open up a spot for him because I think he's got a, a solid, you know, speed, speed power tool set. Um, and yeah. And I know you were, I know you asked me prospects, but I know Dylan Carlson's, you know, still technically a rookie. He's not a prospect, I guess, anymore. But, I mean, that would be my, I think, my biggest obvious choice of a rookie of the year eligible player because um, I think he's showed a lot in the playoffs in the last couple um, last couple of weeks of the season that he was ready to take the next step as a major leaguer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mendy, anybody that, that you're eyeing as far as prospects heading into this year? I was interested in Mackenzie Gore for a little bit and then all this happened. So now I'm pretty much out on him. Yeah. Um, I kind of, he brought up Dylan, uh, Rob brought up Dylan Carlson and I've heard him being talked about a lot. And again, I don't know technically if you call him a prospect because he did play some last year, but uh, when I, like, you know, I, I think as you guys do, you guys are all avid podcast listeners as well. When you hear the same guy talked about, over a wide variety of podcasts, Cabrian Hayes is another guy that comes to mind like that. Uh, when you hear so many people talking about the same guy, there's like, all right, there's a correlation here if everybody's seeing the same <laughs> thing and you're not hearing people afraid to talk about how much they love that guy. So um, that he's one of them. And again, Cabrian Hayes is in that category as well, kind of came up last year and everybody's in love with him. And you look at his, his uh, stat cast page, it's incredible. Um, not too many guys. And I mean, you know, Wander Franco obviously could come up, but I don't know how crazy good fantasy value he's going to bring this year. Um, there's not like anybody that didn't debut last year that comes to the top of my head that I'm making sure I try to take in any draft that I'm, I'm making sure I bump them up my queue and uh, do anything like that. But there's guys that did get their tastes last year that I'm interested in for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought up Cabrian Hayes, so I will use that opportunity to shamelessly plug uh, an article that I am working on right now. Um, so that will be uh, coming out Friday 
uh, on Razball. So uh, oh, I can't wait for that. for that. Can't wait for that. Thank you. Oh yeah. Um, so my next question is, um, so we're going to move into more kind of like a rapid fire. Um, we'll talk, there'll be some baseball related questions, but also some non-baseball related nonsense uh, that we'll get into. <laughs> but um, so this first one is for Rob. Uh, okay. So two, two pitchers going in kind of a similar range of ADP. Uh, both are getting some buzz this preseason. Uh, John Means or Jordan Montgomery, who would you take out of those two? Um, I'm going to go Means. Um, he had a weird low BAPIP and his ERA went up type of situation, but um, his last four starts last year, 30 strikeouts, three walks, 16th um, for starting pitchers in zone contact and big jump in VLO. I trust, I'm trusting that a little more than what I see from Montgomery right now. And I don't, I don't put out the possibility that the Yankees um, either add arms, keep adding arms, like as we get later into the season, maybe they bring back Hap. Guys like Porcello are still available. Um, if they want guys to throw, like get them on the cheap. I don't know. I just um, – it's tough too because they're both in the AL East, and that's a big consideration. But since they're both in there, I'm going means. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so conflicted on him. I, I know that last year he ended, I mean, he had a great finish to the end of the season. Uh, the zone contact looks great. I just, every time I look at a Baltimore Orioles pitcher, I just, I, I just naturally want to stay away. You know, I started thinking about like, when was the last time the Orioles actually developed an above average starter? And the only one I could think of in like the past, since I've been alive, it's like Mike Messina, right? Like, has there been anybody that they've, that has gone through their system and has had success at the big league level? Um, I think part of that is organizational, you know, and, and thankfully they have a, a new regime in there in the past couple of years, but just. Right. And I, I kind of like what I see from Aiken and Creamer. Um, like yeah. they're like not mind blowing, but um, they took, I think steps where they were like, um, maybe lesser thought of like possibilities for being deep end guys. And now they, they have the opportunity, I think, with some more improvement to be middle of the rotation guys, like a little bit more maybe yeah. than we expected. So maybe things will change in Baltimore. Right. I, I just, the thing is with Camden Yards, like I just don't want my pitcher pitching there. You know, right. it's right. like people say, it's, it's kind of like Coors East. Uh, right. and the thing well, with me Montgomery's is- going to pitch in the same parks. Right, right. right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really love either of them. Uh, but, like, just thinking about means, like, when I look at his upcoming schedule, you know, most of the time, I'm going to see a lot of, like, at the Yankees versus Boston, uh, you know, at Toronto. And, like, I just know for myself, like, I'm going to feel very uneasy starting him in that scenario, you know, or if he's even starting at home in the middle of the summer and it's 90 degrees out, no matter who he's playing, I'm going to feel – I'm not going to feel great about that. So unless he takes like that next step forward and becomes an elite pitcher, I just, I, I really don't want him on my team, but I also see your point and I, and I see why some people are really in on him this year. So, I'm not super um, in on him. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm answering the who's the who, who, <laughs> right. Between the two. Right. Right. Yeah. But, um, all right. So my next question is for Mendy. Um, who would you take between these two pitchers? Your best bud, 
Aaron Savale or Tyler Molly. Yeah, why would you do this to me? Like, <laughs> I thought we were friends, man. Like this, when I, I saw you uh, put this in the notes, I, I just shook my head. Uh, but it's like asking me to choose. To. It's like choosing my head or my heart here. Um, it's so, I'll just touch on Savali first, but interesting when he was on the show, like he talked about that in order for him to be successful, he has to be a strike to ball and ball to strike pitcher. And that's what he wasn't last year. Cause he actually had, um, he threw 229 more pitches in the zone than, uh, or I'm sorry, he had a 229 pitch increase, the amount of pitches in the strike zone than in 2019. That's in a shorter season. And he had 199 more pitches than the next closest guy. And that was Tyler Glass now with 30. And so that type of amount of him in the zone and him not having enough of those pitches that were deceptive, but they were hanging around the zone, I think is kind of what led to his demise at the end of the season. I think it's stuff he can fix because a lot of the other peripherals are really, really like him. But I mean, give me more of Tyler Molly, man. I mean, that when he introduced that slider, and I mean, he bumped that from 0% usage in 2019 to a 32% usage in 2020. It became his most effective pitch. It changed his whole just demeanor as a pitcher, a 32.4% CSW, XBA in the 90 percentile, 85% in the uh, 85% uh, percentile whiff percentages, 28.5% K percentage. Uh, I mean, he just was a totally different guy. And he's in Spincinnati, and that helped. Obviously, he gained 200 RPMs of spin on his fastball, which also helped. I, I mean, he he looks like a totally different pitcher with that slider. And you have a decent sample size down the stretch of what that slider did for him. He's going to have a spot in that rotation now with Bauer gone. So I I have to go Tyler Molly, but it hurts to say it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care what the projections say about uh, Tyler Molly. I mean, I'm I'm all in. I think he's he's the most obvious guy to, in that going in that range to break out this year. Uh, anything to add, Rob, to Savali or Molly? Savali or Molly? Um, <laughs> I, you know what? Again, Dave just brought the thunder. I, I kind of. I've been a Molly guy longer than a Savali guy. I think Savali still worries me a little bit, but I kind of like Molly um, for a couple of years now. So I feel like this, I'm still just going to carry through my mindset that he's going to um, be the better pitcher in the long run. And I think that the rotation there is, is going to be odd. I don't know what they're going to do, you know, and if they keep trading guys like Castillo and Gray, then they're going to need guys to eat up innings. So at some point, maybe his inning projection even goes up a little bit, but I just even like his skill set a lot more than Shivale. Yeah. (laughs) So my next question is for you, Rob. I know you are a huge Kobe Bryant fan. You've talked about, you know, reading the Mamba Mentality book. Uh, So tell me, what is your favorite Kobe memory? Oh man, there's so many, bro. So many, but uh, so like I wrote, I wrote down three that always come to my mind. And, um, you know, obviously the 81 point game was insane. He had like a true shooting percentage that came at like 70%. It was unbelievable. His performance in that game, he had one in 2003 Shaq, Shaq got hurt and he, 
was like my prime basketball watching years too. Um, had a job like from two to 10 managing a gym and I would just get home and um, just watch, just watch the Laker games, you know, at, at night Kings Lakers. It was a great time for that kind of basketball. And he had nine straight games of 40 that, and that's like fifth all time um, most straight games of 40. And he was just so, it was just like one of those moments where it's like, you know, we're great together, but I can also be this amazing person on my own too. So, uh, but, and then, I still, to me, I just see him walking to the line with a torn Achilles and just sinking two free throws, you know, like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like a wuss, you know, <laughs> this dude just walked to the line and blocked out every pain in his body and every, any, every little thing else. And just said, I'm, I'm still going up there and I'm going to drain these two fucking free throws and then I'm going to leave. You know, like he, 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 he wasn't going to go with saying, Hey, you shoot my free throws. You know, it wasn't the way his season was going to end. So mm -hmm. for me, that's just like, um, that Mamba mentality, you know, that I'm just mentally superior to you. And this is what I have to, you know, this is what I do to show it, you know? So that's mm -hmm. like something that sticks out to me at the best. Yeah. Rob, do you have a breaking news drop on your pod? What's that? Is it a breaking break news? Breaking news. Jeff Passan reports George Springer and the Toronto Blue Jays are in agreement on a deal. Sources yeah. familiar with ESPN. It is official. He's headed to Donovan for a physical, huh? All right. All fucking right. Well, I mean, does this change anything? It changes only anything for me right now if he goes from a projectable leadoff hitter to maybe not a leadoff hitter. And um, again, like, still not going to hurt you on a per at bat basis, but maybe he gets a little hit in volume. But great, great uptick in, you know, park, lineup. Um, where's he going to bat? Where do I think he's going to bat? Where does BGO, does BGO fall? There's, um, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. I'm going to have fun looking at that lineup tomorrow morning. <laughs> We've been talking about it in the battle of the podcast draft, uh, draft chat. Um, so it's been Zach, who's uh, Zach Roto, who's a Blue Jay fan, was been he brought it up, and we're just we're we're talking. We've been talking about where he. Um, well, actually, they're doing most of the talking. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like popping in for like 120 unread messages pretty wild these guys these guys are getting hot in the draft room um so yeah i don't know dave what do you think you think he's gonna hit in the top or you think he's gonna move into the bottom half i mean um does anyone have the lineup pulled up right now let's let's take a look We're i have it on roster resource now all right what um, do you got well they, they haven't updated it but right now we have biggio bichette guriel Teoscar, Vladdy, uh, Rowdy, Grichuk, Kirk, and Jansen. Where do you put them? <laughs> Holy crap. Jeez. I mean, that lineup is, is ridiculous. Wow. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's. <sighs> I'm sure I... he'll hit leadoff. Like, I, I would be willing to bank on it because I think th there's some ridiculous split that it, when he doesn't hit lead off how much of oh, a worse hitter he is I, I, I have to look into that but i think like his splits when he's lead off and he's not is a huge difference right we don't have the yeah, let's sense, see yeah. we don't have the the starting lineup on here but another cool thing you guys can use besides roster resources if you go to um baseball radar at baseball radar um he his logo is pbr 
Pro Baseball Radar. He has an awesome website and a Google Sheet that has a very awesome landscape layout of, of, of all the teams. And you can see um, on one nice left to right shot of um, their organizational structure. And he, he's already got Springer in there. He doesn't, oh, wow. he just doesn't have the lineup um, set yet, but he's got, he's got him in there. Um, it's looking, it's looking like a stacked lineup. I think that he's going to, I think he's going to go to the top and I think he's bumping and I think he's bumping VGO down. Yeah, I would. I mean, that's just the way I would uh, organize that lineup, but. And then are we thinking that maybe Grichik would go to DH or I, I can't imagine Kirk is going to stay at DH. I think Teoscar is going to go to DH. I think they're already Teoscar. a little concerned about his, his defense. That was, I think that's probably a big thing in, in, in them going after Springer was that I think they just want to stick I think they lean more Tioski DH because his defense wasn't the best or hasn't okay. been the best either. And I think he probably gets more of a DH time. And hopefully Telez sees a good chunk of first and Vlad goes to third. Looks like he's prepared to play it. This is a crazy team. This is I love what they're doing, you know. I think mm-hmm. um I think they're you know, I think they're a playoff contendable team. I think and they just need one pitcher to get to help them there but you know the the yates the springer it's pretty pretty interesting sure. <laughs> sorry for sorry for steering the pot oh no, this is no, great. No problem. great absolutely i love it all right Torres, so what do you back. think you think he's gonna bat in the top yeah i mean i would imagine that if that's where he's you know co- most comfortable which from what mendy's saying that that's the case um, that would probably be part of, you know, kind of like a stipulation of him coming there. Uh, you know, he has some leverage in, in that area. So I would imagine he's going towards the top. Uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, you can't, I guess Biggio probably moves down. Uh, maybe just everybody moves down one spot. But uh, either way, I mean, that lineup is just going to be just unbelievable. Really excited to see them next year. Absolutely. Um, so getting back to uh, some of the questions that I wanted to ask you guys, uh, Rob, you talked about your favorite Kobe memories. Uh, Mendy, I was wondering for you, you have been doing just some amazing podcasts with your crew over at Triple Play, been having some great guests on there. I think you said tomorrow you're going to have Matthew Berry on. You had Aaron Savali on a couple weeks ago. Tell me who are your three dream guests for, uh, to have on, on the Triple Play pod? This was a hard question. I had to think about this one. Uh, The easy ones were Patrick Mahomes, because I'm a big Chiefs fan, and Johan Santana as the backstory for I told you guys in the beginning. Those were the two easier ones. The third one was a little harder, and I was trying to think of how to bring all three sports, who would be like the top one for each. And for basketball, it would probably be Gilbert Arenas, and not just because I live in Maryland, where like he played obviously with Washington, but he is such a character and I feel like he has so many stories and his podcast is so entertaining. I would love to get Gilbert Arenas on the show just to just let him talk and just talk about the things that, you know, he's, he doesn't say publicly, but you know, he might just, you know, say even just to us when we're not recording and that type of thing. So those would probably be the three. Very cool. You know, I really, I loved the interview you did with Bronson Arroyo. I thought he was such an interesting guy, really just uh, 
just a very entertaining episode. Uh, so yeah, you guys are doing awesome work over there. I think my favorite might be of baseball might be oral Hershizer though. That it was way, way back. Like when we were still, uh, we didn't even, we had Skype, we had just started using Skype and, uh, we weren't at us ourselves weren't as professional, but he was hilarious. He is such a really? funny guy. Yeah. Hmm. I, I haven't listened to that one, but I, I definitely will. Um, next question is for Rob. So as anybody who listens to this podcast knows, you won the draft champions last year. You won a shit ton of money. Uh, <laughs> so what I want to know is what was the coolest thing that you purchased with the DC winnings? I bought some baseball cards, um, not a whole bunch, just a couple of boxes, you know, like trying to get some Spencer Torkelson rookies. I haven't opened up those ones yet, but um, bought a, I bought some cards. I bought a new desk and it's one of them hydraulic desks that moves up and down. So I'm standing right now doing the podcast. I feel good. I'm, I'm being active. I think I'm more uh, awake. Um, and yeah, and I bought one of them boom arms for for the microphone. Um, shout out to my boy Jake Hallisker, the dust mite himself of the Rotosaurus high heat high heat high stakes heat pod. Um, he suggested a badass boom arm, and it's fucking awesome. So it's a Samson, in case anyone wants to know. Amazon it. It's cool. sick. So um, yeah, that's basically um, and a screen and a screen to. You know, have some more stuff um, as I podcast and break down um, stats and do drafts. I think it's been uh, pretty good, pretty helpful. So, yeah, that's it. Nothing, nice. nothing crazy. You brought up uh, getting uh, some baseball cards. Was that something that you kind of got back into recently or had you been collecting this, you know, uh, you know, going back years? It's been recently. Um, I just got back into it because it's because to um, my brothers were always into collecting um, memorabilia. Um, and my one brother, Mike, was really hardcore baseball card collecting, go to the convention shows. And um, so when I started reading about like it exploding again recently, um, you know, I, I wanted to get back into it, go through some of my older cards and I told him about it and he found some serious gems in his collection and it just like kind of sparked the whole thing. Um, so pretty cool. I'm getting back into it. Um, my nephew, um, he's opening up packs like I was with my brother. So it's pretty cool seeing like a whole generation, um, you know, kind of see, kind of see them doing the same thing and it's pretty cool. So yeah, it's something it's pretty wild you know like it's, it's it exploded a lot of people are hustling with it too like making some good money um during this pandemic been cleaning out i think that's the move they clean out the target shelves and then they flip cards but it's pretty cool i've been getting my hands on some i think my biggest hit so far was an adley rutschman autograph uh bone nice. like oh, bowman chrome yeah it's pretty nice. nice pretty yeah it's pretty cool and i found some hulk hogan cards from 1985 my collection that are like pretty decent money so um awesome. i'm like yeah it's pretty cool finding these old you know chris weber was like my second favorite player back in the day like uh actually third like after kobe and jordan he was like my third favorite player and i have like 72 cards of chris weber and like 20 of everybody else so it's odd 
I just collect all the Chris Webbers. But um, yeah, so that's something that I'm trying to get back into. And my this wall I created, I I, I cleared, I clipped. This is I angled my desk this way because I plan to hang up some stuff that I've gotten from baseball games and convention shows. We used to go to like all these shows and get autographs and wait in line and to talk to you know pros and stuff like that so i've always been like drawn to the collectible game it's just been a while since i really actually um you know thought about it and now that i've like came back into my life i'm really cherishing all the old stuff that i've brought down from the attic and looked at and i'm like man i these things can't be hiding anymore you know i gotta bring mm-hmm. them out so that's awesome yeah i'm I know I'm going to get back into it. You know, I hear so many people talking about, you know, the boom in this industry. And uh, like I said earlier, I was, that was such a, a huge part of my life when I was younger and it just fell off because it felt like they didn't have any value anymore. Like, why was I going to waste my money on this stuff? Uh, but it's so cool to see, you know, that industry coming back and I'm sure I will be uh, getting back into it shortly here. Yeah, man, get back um, into it. Yeah. So, Mendy, um, you said I didn't bring you on because uh, you're the best looking (laughs) analyst, (laughs) but I will say that you probably are the best looking analyst with your shirt off Uh, because we have seen that picture. We we have seen that picture uh, make the rounds on Twitter. Uh, So I know you work out. Uh, What is on your workout playlist? Well, I first I have to ask you as we're talking about looks here, people can't see. You have the freshest beard I think I've seen. <laughs> I, I before you ask that, I need to know what is the go-to product to use for shaving? Cause I I have obviously I don't have anything close to that, but like, I can admire I can admire a good one. It looks like you put on one of them templates. I don't know if you see yeah. them thing they sell I'm, now. Like you put I've it heard on that and you, before, yeah. It looks like it's tight. Yeah, so this is through um, years of practice. I, it's funny, <laughs> this is what I talk about in my article coming up. I've had like a facial hair since I was like nine. <laughs> so, so I've gotten a lot of practice shaving. Uh, so this, this is done with a disposable razor. Uh, I do it all myself. Uh, I've just gotten really good at it. Uh, but I have gotten that, that feedback uh, quite a bit. I think I think everyone's gonna run to Razzball on Friday to to, there you go. to check out your shaving tips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it, however I can, uh, you know, get some right. publicity. You know, that's right. that's fine. Absolutely, I saw uh, I saw your writing. You have the ability to draw to draw people in. So I see. I can't that. I can't wait to see how you reel uh, you reel us in with that one. <laughs> So anyway, getting back to you, Mandy, what's on your workout playlist? So when I work out, I love heavy metal. I love screaming metal. I love that type of stuff just gets me fired up. So anything saliva, disturbed, Godsmack, some Metallica, my favorite song, which is Hell Yeah by Rev Theory. And uh, I actually tweeted that at them and they liked it. Uh, If you watch Dragon Ball Super, I don't know if anybody's in anime or not, but uh, when he goes, when Goku goes Ultra Instinct, I'll play that music too. Uh, so that type of stuff is usually my go-to's if I'm doing like some heavy lifting or just uh, I just that kind of gets me in the zone. Nice, nice. Yeah, that uh, hell yeah was Madden 08, I think. Yeah, yeah, dude, uh, good played, memory. Yeah, yeah, played a lot of Madden. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that's an awesome song. Very cool. Uh, Rob, I want to ask you, I, I know you were in the main event last year. Uh, you, you've talked about how that was really a learning experience for you. So can you tell us what your biggest takeaways were from, from being in the main event? My biggest takeaway was that I wasn't good enough yet to play in it. Um, I knew that I had some solid approach and some good principles that I've learned in, in playing and good approach, but um, the execution was poor and, um, you know, I have to be better, just like learn how to fab better, um, learn how to kind of ignore ADP a little bit. I went in like like ready to set the min on, on, on three players and still waited maybe like around too late to do it. So I should have just, I feel like I should have done it. It might've changed the course of my team. Not saying I would have been a, a ton better, but I would have liked my team a lot more if I made those moves. So um, yeah, that was my biggest takeaway. I, and also how to utilize the site, utilize the NFBC site. Um, I think that spending time on it and like knowing how to, you know, set up the fab and the conditional bids um, and do it efficiently. So you're not like stressing out over getting them in in time. Um, even if you're getting yourself enough time, if you're not familiar with the format and how to do it or how to do it like in an efficient manner. Um, so spend some time doing that. Yeah. And just extracting, extracting info from the free agency every week and, and, and really trying to diagnose, it's not like you're going to understand bidding patterns, but you really, you really want to try to um, see why certain bids are being successful um, and, you know, take notes as to why maybe those players had, you know, exceptional weeks as pickups. And I found that a lot of times, you know, just, you really have to maximize your, your time with looking at your schedule ahead of time and having a couple of extra, you know, like this week, this year was hard because of the COVID you wanted to have, you know, guys on a week to week basis. But I think um, for teams that were built to handle some team, tell them guys to speculate play like two weeks ahead of time is a big, a big thing. Cause you're spending a lot less money on those players. And um, when everyone's rushing to get them, you already have them. So um, I think those are my biggest learning experiences from, from the main event. Very cool. All right, Mendy, I'm on the clock, a minute and a half left. I just Ooh. checked my phone. I'm on the <laughs> clock in this BB 10. So the pressure is on. And if this doesn't work out, I will just blame it all on you. Obviously they always do and, anyway. Yeah. Pineda Kluber or Eliza Hernandez. Who do you got? So I know we were talking a little before the show. He's got a minute and a half, Mendy. That's it. <laughs> yeah, one minute. Come on. Oh, one uh, minute. Uh, uh, um, I'm going with Michael Pineda. Michael Pineda. Okay. Why? Because when he's been healthy and or when he's not been suspended, his ERA has been under four. And I think he's less of an injury risk than Corey Kluber. I'm not one of those people that's overly impressed with Alicia Hernandez. He's going to pitch a lot for the Twins this year with their poor pitching staff. All right. Well, this one's all on you. All right. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I hope he wins the Cy Young. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rob, who is your – if you get the 101, who are you taking? Um, Right now, I'm probably going Cole or Tatis. I know it's like maybe a little bit of a cop-out, but – I feel like in um, a DC draft, I'm leaning more Cole. Um, but 
And a league with Fab, maybe I lean more Tatis. But I think the majority of the time I'm taking Cole. Even as a Met fan, I think DeGrom is just as good as Cole. But I think Cole is a little safer um, for innings pitch-wise. And just his, his you know, his, his youth, he's a little younger, um, even though DeGrom doesn't have a lot of innings on him. I, I like the um, – I just think he's a good bet for a couple more innings than DeGrom this year. So I think I'm going Cole probably 70% of the time and Tatis the rest. Yeah, totally. um, Totally understand if people are going pitching in the first round. I'm wondering, though, why Trey Turner doesn't get more love. You know, if you're going hitter in the first round. Right. No, absolutely. Considered more at the top of the first round. I mean, I feel like he's sitting on a monster season coming up. I mm-hmm. mean, his power keeps improving every year. We know the speed is, you know, one of the 99th percentile sprint speed. We know the stolen bases are there. The contact skills are great. Like we could realistically get like a 25, 35 to 40 stolen base year with a, a well over 300 average and obviously great counting stats. Like that's, that would make him the number one, I would think. I love Turner. I have nothing against taking Trey Turner. I just think that if you're, um, if you want him, I don't, obviously you don't have to set your key DS for one or two, like you can do right. that middle and maybe, you know, and have a better second round pick. So I think where, wherever you, you know, you hope to get Turner and, and I mean, he doesn't really go lower than four. So, you know, if you're happy to get him and target him, you know, set the key DS a little later, I mean, in the NFC at least, and, um, and 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 utilize that. Um, I just think uh, Tatis has a little bit more of the ceiling. Um, I, I love the Turner's safeness, though. Um, yeah, it's just I think Tatis brings a little bit more of that ability to uh, break break the game open. And I think their their floors are both pretty similar. So, and I think I'll take the upside with the Tatis, and he's gotcha. fun to watch. And he doesn't play against the Mets often. There you go. That's <laughs> that's what it is. All right. Well, I'm glad you were honest. Um, so we'll move a little bit quicker because uh, I don't know if anybody has, has stayed with us to this point where we're running a little long. But um, uh, so, Rob, what is the most impactful book you've ever read? Most impactful book is Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, and he talks about why your Blink decision, your gut decision, is usually the best one. And it's because, and make a long story short, it's because a series of um, frame of references that we put into our brain, and um, you, so that's why that gut feeling feels good because it's one that's practiced into our brain more. So um, it's usually, you know, it's pre- it's pretty good. It's way more than how I just explained it, but. Yeah, um, it just taught me to really, I've always had that, you know, quote unquote gut feeling, um, very, um, I guess, impulsive mood. Um, and it kind of just made me feel better about how my brain works. <laughs> very good. Uh, Mendy, best advice you've ever received? Throw enough shit at the wall and something's going to stick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you want to expand on that or that? Oh, I, 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 I thought we were. I, <laughs> oh, I, I thought we were just rapid firing it. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. And I was just basically, um, we had a someone come on our show for basketball, and he told us that advice, and it really That's stuck with great. me ever since to play on the. But just like if you're, if you 
throw enough stuff at the wall of, of things you're putting out or content, whatever it is, like someone's going to notice it, something's going to catch on and you can just kind of roll from there. So it's just about just throwing enough stuff for something to stick on that wall. I like it. Rob, daily news or the post? Daily news. All right. Mike or the mad dog? None. They're both bags of shit. Oh, come on. Yeah. You didn't grow up listening to those guys? I mean, it was on, but I was never listening. You don't like the mad dog. No, I, I I don't need to... I never needed to, this is my thoughts. I never needed to extend my brain space into their world. They, I made, like, it's not, it was usually like a ride home from work from the city where I'm putting on the radio or driving to school and putting on the radio and I'm not, it was music over those hammerheads. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're obviously they're bad, but it just, they're, they're so bad. I guess I find it entertaining, but um <laughs> I watch Shameless uh, if I want to watch something I've seen. <laughs> there you go. Mendy, higher likelihood of success, you hitting a 100-mile-an-hour fastball off Garrett Cole or tackling Derrick Henry with a full head of steam? Wow. I love these this or that questions. Uh, I'd say Derrick Henry because I'll just stick my leg out and trip him. <laughs> I'm not going to get his way. Hopefully I can just – he'll fall on my leg and I'll probably break my leg, but at least I'll tackle him. Um, is, is this is this just one? Is this he's getting one chance, or is this just like does he get chances to complete that mission? How many, Rob? How much of me do you think could take multiple times? <laughs> well, that's what that's why that's why I'm going with the cold fastball because I'm saying if he has multiple opportunities, I think that you're gonna, I think you'll have a better chance of of of, of hitting him versus taking Derek. <laughs> <laughs> he just seems like I don't know. I know I know you're in shape, but he just seems like a boy that no one can tackle. Man. Oh, there'll I be nothing. Up. Yeah, there'll be nothing left of me after like the third or fourth time. <laughs> uh, Rob, uh, similar question to you, but a different scenario. Higher likelihood of success: beating Ron Artest in a free throw contest, or catching a line drive hit by Giancarlo Stanton while playing third base? Um, beating Artest in a free throw contest. And I, I put that one in there because I, I'm pretty sure you had told a story one time about like you, you knew our test or like, yeah, I went to school with him, friendly with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, He was in my sports management class. He was a fun, a fun guy. He, he, he was, um, you know, came like twice, I think the whole semester, but whenever he did come, it was like a party with Ron. The teacher was like, everyone, you just like hang out and, stick around with our test and it was pretty cool i mean um he was a character he was like a really people were drawn to him you know he he, he had he had a uh i don't know he had something about him that people were just like you know were drawn to him and i he was very approachable and i, I told him that you know that he was going to make a great nba player but he had to step up his free throws and we went down to alumni hall and you know i smoked him so that's a true story. True story. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I And right now, too, I think I still have a better shot of doing that because I don't think my instincts can can handle a John Carlo. And I love playing third, too. I mean, like third base was my eventual um, 
um, softball spot. And um, my brother, Mike, would always play like a close third base. And I loved that. I used to always try to mimic that. And um, for like high arc and, and slow pitch softball, we used to like, it comes in quick. And I used to like to get in front of it to um, not get that crazy hop. I used to like to try to get it on a fly or, or like that first hop, not have the second one. So, and, but yeah, but I give myself no chance of hitting. I, I watch it on TV and I run away from, you know, like I see him hit line drives on TV and I'm just like, yeah, he hits missiles. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mendy. Um, it's an either or sexier voice. Brian <laughs> Seymour or Derek Van Riper? Whoa. So Derek has the voice of my dreams. And he's coming on the pod on Thursday. So oh, I, I wow. have, I I have to that. go Derek Von Reifer for sure. All right. <laughs> so you're going to tell him that you chose him in this, in this yeah, question, I, right? I see. If I said the other one, he probably would never come back. So if I say that, maybe that will keep him from wanting to be with us again. So, uh, but they're gotcha. both dream, they're both dream boat voices. I, I would love either one, but for sure, I'll go Derek. Ken Rosenthal just reports that the ain't the Blue Jays are still trying for free agent outfielder Michael Brantley. So I should tell the athletic that Brantley is close wow. friends with George Bringer and represented by the same agency. That's nuts. Wow. And he Sorry. was one of those guys that I thought that could be one of those ADP risers once he signs. I, I saw some rumors <laughs> about him going to the Yankees. And, you know, obviously if he goes to Toronto, I feel like people are going to really be in on him. Maybe oh, yeah. the move is they get him. Right and keep Teoscar in the outfield, or, or or trade him, or go, like can they can they get a a good pitcher? Can are there any trade candidates if they trade an outfielder? You know, and and I don't know. This Luis is Castillo. This, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. This is y'all. I love this. This is I'm so <laughs> souped up right now, guys. This is great. <laughs> this is great. Baseball is heating up. Yeah. Yeah, how good is it that it's happening right in the middle of the podcast? That, I you know. know you get your I know we don't yep. get this type of action in the middle of the yeah. podcast. This is awesome. awesome. You want more news? Jose Quintana signing with the Angels. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I put him in the queue. There you go. Um, all right. So this is a question that I think, uh, you know, things might get a little heated. I don't know if like the podcast will end because we just <laughs> oh, uh, no. so pissed off at each other. Um, but this is for both of you. What is the best baseball video game of all time? Oh my god! I'm going baseball stars um, for original Nintendo. Um, to me, this was like along with playing Stratomatic baseball card game um, was the ultimate like roster construction game. Um, you can either put together a team like from scratch with, and then you had to build it up with wins and you get to build up your plays. Or of course there was a Konami cheat code and you could put it in, have a stack team and you could change the names of the players. So it was all my friends and my brothers. And uh, it was just, it was just the best. It even have a women's team in there an all women's team go figure like in 1985, like, right. They were ahead of the time. So um, it was really cool. Like it was just my favorite game. It was so simple. I still play it. I still have original Nintendo crazy cool stories that when I met my wife, like on our third date, I looked in like her TV stand and she had original Nintendo with like mad games and, um, I instantly felt like more, more, yeah, like what? 
you know, like I just remember like you're moving in with me and I'm ordering games. I went, it was, I went on Amazon. I like reordered baseball stars. It was great. I made a whole season, um, you know, kept stats. Like it, it was just like, to me, it was the first time, like I got really into like building teams and I think it just transferred into my life, you know, now that, that in Stratomatic. So that's why I think that, that, that game, um, was the best baseball game to me. Very cool. Torres, I want to give you a chance to defend yourself with your take and then I'll go. But you can, the floor is yours. I, I just need you to try to defend what's, uh, has no chance to stand up to mine. I feel like I really upset you with, uh, with what I chose. Like they, <laughs> you're like the nicest guy. Uh, but your response when I, when I said this was like, you know, I, I could tell I got under your skin. Um, <laughs> So for me, and maybe this is just personal because because I, I still have the game. I actually still play it once in a while. Um, is 95 World Series Baseball for Sega Saturn. And yes, my wow. Sega Saturn still works. Um, I just feel like that game was ahead of its time. Um, the graphics, obviously, look at it now and, you know, it's it's nothing special. But um, I feel like for the time frame that that game was out, uh, they were pretty damn good. And, and just, I just played hours and hours of that game growing up. So that's, I'm just biased. I, I really, um, you know, I, I just love that game, but you go ahead. I'm very interested to hear what, uh, what you have to say. You already know what it is. It's MVP baseball, 2005. And yeah. to be fair, to be fair, maybe we should trade games for like a week and then play the other. Have you played MVP baseball 2005? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so you've compared Manny them both. on the cover. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a uh, no. That is 2005. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of mixing it 2004. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, that game, the the soundtrack, and I don't know about you guys. I would create a whole team. I would actually right. spend the time to literally make nine hitters or eight hitters, if it was either in the American League, nine hitters in the uh, or nine hitters in the na- in the American League, eight hitters in the National League, and I would make an entire pitching staff, and I would make three relief pitchers. You know, I'd call them like Larry Green, Joe Torta, Craig Cummings. Like I would just have, I would rattle off a bunch of names and I would do an entire 162 game season with my created team, awesome. accumulate all the stats. Like, I mean, there was nothing like it. I mean, but you've played both. So I guess obviously you, whatever you're used to probably playing, like growing up in hours, it's going to be what you want to pick on of course. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you. So I, I just, you know, that was uh, a game that I grew up with. So I just have a, a special attachment to that. But uh, yeah, I did something similar. And I think it was MLB The Show 07 or whatever, like made a whole team of like all our college, like, bu- like you know, my roommate and like all of our friends. And that's like, I love that, you know, yeah, like you do your, your creative player and that's so much fun. Do you guys play the show now? I haven't in a while. I don't. It's, yeah. I mean, it's an amazing game. Yeah. I um, probably played it last like five, six years ago. And, um, you know, I loved it. I just like the way my brain is, is like, I get so into things, you know, I'm sure you guys could tell. And I just, I, I it would dominate my world in like bad ways. And I feel like, <laughs> so I, I try to stay away from it. I don't, you know, I don't buy the games. I don't I think my last system is a PS3 and, uh, I'm fine. Like, I just play when I'm in the mood. I'll play some Nintendo. I'll play some Tetris. I'll play some baseball stars. And I also have an old Sega Genesis that I'll rock nice. every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the old games are the best. You know, like I like yeah. 
I like three buttons better than fucking 17. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question uh, for both of you is your best baseball memory. And this uh, is as a, as a fan. As a fan, it's straight up Piazza post 9-11 um, at Shea Stadium yeah. when he hit the homer. Um, I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll cry every time I see it. Um, you know, every time I hear about it, whatever. Pretty cool. And it's just, um, I remember too, like recently, you know, like watching Piazza get inducted to the Hall of Fame and my wife, um, like, heard the story for the first time as they were like, you know, doing the pre pre induction and she was even so drawn to it. And so like emotional and just, you know, it's just one of those moments I'll never forget because good old Mikey boy, like, you know, the perfect met, I feel like he was, and he, he embodied like everything about New York and, um, you know, it was just a perfect moment. Like all the, all the, all the FDNY and the NYPD there, that got a chance to absorb it. And, you know, you watch the MLB like documentaries too, and you hear about, you know, the, like the, the families that were grieving at the time. And like, they, it was just a brief moment where they, they were able to escape that. And like those kids who grew up with that, they never forget it. Even Griffey, um, you know, had a big part with that too. People um, connected to so many things that with that post 9-11. So that was the big thing for me. Yeah. I uh, just, yeah, I get chills every time I see that. Yeah. It's just <laughs> that your, Is that yours, uh, Torres, too? Uh, so mine actually is... Charlie Hayes. No. <laughs> you know, it's very funny you say that because that's also part of the article that I have coming out on Cabrian Hayes. Hey, bro! Um, <laughs> so you are, you are doing a great job uh, promoting my work. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's actually one of them because uh, that was obviously the first championship, uh, you know, of my lifetime for the Yankees. Uh, but mine's probably I I was at the game where Mariano Rivera, um, you know, his final game at Yankee Stadium, and that was just one of the coolest experiences. Like you know, when Jeter and and Pettit came out to the mound and they're all crying and like everybody in the stadium is crying and he walks off like that was that was such a cool moment. Um, you know, but so many great memories of the, those Yankee teams growing up. Um, I, I could just watch those highlights all day. It's understandable. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the atmosphere of that stadium. Yeah. The best, the best atmosphere, like, uh, not to add to this memory, but the best one, like, probably the best atmosphere I was involved with was um at yankee stadium it was madden lee's first playoff series against the mariners um and jim lay would hit like a game-winning homer and like the, i think the 14th bro i was there like, too you, you <laughs> were there yeah. oh man it was it was amazing i was there with my two best friends and my brothers took us and and like i just remember like everyone didn't go to school the next day you know because it was like you know we got Oh man, it was, it was that dad. that place was shaking. I never forget the way that felt, and that's why, like you know, I'm a I'm a Met fan, but I'm not like a Yankee hater. I'm I enjoy baseball, and um, I just remember that whole experience being like, holy shit! Like the stadium was. I never felt that before. Like if if that's what earthquakes feel like, I guess I'm guessing that was it. You know, like Donnie baseball, like. Even as a Met fan, I can appreciate that. Like I, I can get them. Like I can, I can feel the chills every time I hear that. You know, because that stadium was juiced up for that game. 
Yeah, I have never forgiven my dad. Uh, he actually made us. He made us leave the game early. Yeah, you I left, right? I wasn't there. Oh. I left because I had school the next day. Fuck. Uh, and then I woke up the next day and found out what happened, and that has scarred me for life. So isn't that? I know. I know it's. Oh, man. Yeah. What a so great that, game. That hurts great for game. you to bring that up, but yeah, I'm awesome. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, Mendy, what's what about you? It was, I was at Steven Strasburg's debut, um, living in the Washington, Baltimore area and my uncle had season tickets. So he invited us to Strasburg's debut and I'm not kidding. Every strike he threw that night, you thought they won the world series because that was right when they were transitioning from being a bottom feeder to being a contender. So at that point, this was the first sign of hope. Obviously it came the year before Bryce Harper so like this was the first sign of hope. This was like, this is our ace for the next decade. This is this is all the frustration we have, and it's coming out tonight. And that stadium was so electric. Every strike on two count on two strike counts, everybody stood up in their seats clapping. It was insane the electricity in that stadium. I'll never forget it. They played the Pirates that day, right? Yep. And I think it was 12, he had 12 strikeouts, seven innings pitched or something like that. Like he, he was just mowing them down. It was crazy. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, so my last question to both of you is what are your goals for the, in, in this industry? What ultimately would you like to achieve? Um, yeah, David. So I would say for mine, the, the three simple ones um, to help anybody. I know I'm very early on. This is my first year really kind of in this industry. Uh, anyone that wants to take advice from anybody that's still learning, I'm, I'm happy to give it. I know I'm not the top guy to always go to, but I, I, anything I've picked up just this year, I would love to pass on to anybody interested. Um, second, to connect continue connect with the best people on the best place on the internet, obviously, because the amount of, of friends just making made this year, you know, being in quarantine and, and making these connections with people that I never would have met. Um, so I want to continue to making connections with people that I haven't even gotten a chance to talk to. And third, ultimately, it would be a dream to do this for a living as I know we've talked about. So um, to keep grinding and, uh, to be able to make a living talking fantasy sports. Cause that is definitely a, B and C the dream, I think for a lot of us. So those are mine. Cool. Hey, Amen. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. That's, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's great to be able to, you know, dream and think about that and have that as a goal. That's awesome. That's, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Right. We, we just spent so much time talking about how much we embrace sports and, how much it and like shaped us to be who we are today. So yeah, talking about it um, for a living would be amazing. Um, and yeah, definitely just being accessible to people um, and, you know, just making an impact in people's lives. Like just like the best, my best days are when I get DMs or, or, or tweets about how much, you know, the podcast have been helping everybody and it's just great. It's just motivation, inspiration to keep going. And, you know, um, yeah, just keep on this path, you know, just be, be just known as a person who's, you know, very approachable, accessible, and like, just 
I just want to be kind to everyone and like give love back because I got mad love coming in. And so I'm just reciprocating that, you know, and um, that's it. Just have a nice community of people that we could just talk to and just, you know, um, yeah, kick, kick ideas off each other, you know, and that's what I love about fantasy baseball. Like we play against each other in all these leagues and, you know, everyone's sharing like all this advice on podcasts and articles and, you know, it's like everything's open and, and, and then we compete against each other and, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, 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 it's the best thing to be involved with. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. For me, that that's really why I even started to like, you know, work my way into the industry is, I really wanted to connect with people that shared this passion, you know, and it's, it's hard, you know, if you go to a bar and you're, you know, watching baseball and just like shooting the shit, you know, you're, it's very unlikely that that person, like maybe they could talk baseball with you, but it's very unlikely that that person is like, you know, knows about X bacon or, you know, some of these other <laughs> yeah. crazy stats. You, totally that, right, bro. you, you know, they, we are on a different level, you know, I, we're, <laughs> it, it's, it's a, it, it's probably a little bit unhealthy. Uh, but, you want to um, know, you want to know the best example of that? The, the one that's most ingrained in my brain was, you know, um, I'm at a union job and I'm working like years ago, like, and, all the Yankee fans are like, Yvonne Nova is the best pitcher in the AL. And I'm just like, you guys see his metrics. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what? Five, right? <laughs> like, he stinks. He's overperforming everything. They're like, what are you even saying, kid? I'm like, forget it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like, I get it. So, I get it. Having, you know, the outlet to be like, ah, yeah, people understand me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that is, uh, you know, just finding like-minded people who have that same passion. And, um, you know, I don't even know, like, where this is going. I'm just kind of, like, taking it day by day. But, uh, yeah, it, I'm just – the fact that I've even met you guys and I've met other people in the industry, that's, that's like, enough for me. Like, that's, I, I think, uh, just the coolest part about, about this. Amen, 100%. man. Best community and best community by far the fantasy baseball community. Everybody's for so sure. accessible. Yeah, Absolutely. For sure. There's no doubt about that, man. I love it. Is that it, Torres? Is it? Are, are we it. off? The, That's it for me. We're off the stand. We can fully. Yeah. <laughs> the judge Take will let us down. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna bang out a couple of quick drafts here. Um, with the boys, a home run draft and a run plus RBI draft. So for the home run draft, it's going to be a quick four-round draft for home runs only. The catch is that the player pool only involve players who have less than or equal to 10 home runs in 2019 and 2020 combined with more than two with more than 300 plate appearances. So, um, and then we have the runs and RBI draft, which is Run plus RBIs for only multi-eligibility players using NFC player eligibility. So you guys, both of my guests, one of you guys gets to pick which draft you want to do first, and then the other guy next picks which which pick he would he wants in that draft. So go ahead, Dave. Which draft do you want to do first? I'll do the second one first. Okay. So and Torres, where do you want to draft? First, second, or third? No, uh, first. All right, go ahead. Lead us off in the uh, runs plus RBI draft for multi eligibility players only. Oh, are we doing the home run first? Oh, sorry, that's what you meant. Okay, yeah, get home runs. All right, I'm gonna go with Josh Naylor. 
Nice. I like that pick right there. That's a solid pick. I mean, right. I, I love. I, I feel like he's going to get, um, you know, a good amount of playing time on the Indians, you know, either in the outfield or first base. Uh, he had a swing change last year. I think Mike Curlin put out a post about that, uh, you know, and he is a former top prospect, good plate skills, 115 max EV last year. Uh, that's my guy. All right, Mendy, I'll give you the second op, um, the second pick, and then I'll bang out two in a row. All right, I'm going to go with a guy that uh, he was talked about a little bit before, and now his name has kind of been dead for a little while, but that's Nick Solak. Nice. I think he, uh, he's going to get a lot of playing time this year with the Rangers in a good ballpark, and I think he has that, uh, that power that people forget about. So I'm going good old Nicky S there. I like that. I think that's, um, I think both of you guys went with nice solid volume plays as well. Um, all right. So I think for pick one on my double, I'm going to go with, oh man, I think I'm going to go Victor Reyes on the Tigers. Um, I know he's known for his speed and I think they say he might platoon this year, but I think he has some sneaky power hitting that, in that tool set. And then for second pick, um, I'm going to go, this is strictly, I think, volume play versus his power metrics is JP Crawford. Mm. Nice. Back to you, Mendy. Who do you got? There's this guy that I can't just like, I, I can't shake him. Uh-oh. <laughs> And I'm waiting and I'm waiting for it to come. And maybe this is the year I'm going Luis, your eyes. Yeah. I think he's with the brewers. I mean, I I think people forget about him as well, but I, I mean, he shows so many flashes. So I, I think I'm happy to get him with the upside that he has. And I think he has obviously the high prospect pedigree. So I just has to put it together, but I think it could happen. I like Jeez. it. I like that, it. that was my guy. I don't know. Um, Best when you snipe somebody. Yeah. See, this is what I was talking about before. <laughs> um, we should have done an auction. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, again, I mean, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Uh, so we're, just really, <laughs> we're, we're talking, yeah, just pure volume. I, I guess I have to go with uh, Mr. Kiner Falefa. Nice. Um, he's, I guess, the starting shortstop over there. They announced, so you know he's, I guess, going to run into maybe ten home runs, hopefully. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's really not much else to choose from. <laughs> it's, it's skimpy. <laughs> it's very skimpy. I like that pick. All right, Mendy, back to you. Who do you got? Or does he get not a double snake? Oh, so yeah, I thought I thought he picked you. My bad. That's right. You picked Uriah, and then he went kind of for effort. So yeah, who do you got? Well, I have to pick another one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Maybe Christ. we'll end it just after three. We'll come back and to me, and we can just call it if, if you guys want. Yeah, I mean, not, well, David Fletcher. If we're talking volume, you know, he's going to be likely batting leadoff for for the Angels. Not a lot of pop, but if you make enough contact, I guess your odds of <laughs> you running into a few are you know, pretty decent. So yeah, I'll go Fletcher. All right. I like the way you're putting that, you know, the, the more times you hit it makes sense. Yeah. I'll, um, 
for my last pick between a couple guys, but I'm kind of hungry. And Rafael Ramel Tapia looks like tilapia to me right now. So there you go. (laughs) Might be able to uh, smack some home runs in Colorado. I feel like he always has got some hot stretches every year. So uh, I'll just I'll just roll the dice with Mr. Tapia. That is probably the best reasoning for picking up why I've heard (laughs) in a while. Um, That's solid. Lots of analytics in that one. Yeah, that's that's serious analytics in that one. Oh man. So uh I'm gonna go with a crazy upside play here. Um, and I'm gonna go with Mr. Lewis Brinson of the Marlins. Mm. I'm taking my shot that he gets some ABs and he just strikes out a ton but hits homers and <laughs> um, I yeah I, I, I yeah yeah I was thinking about I think maybe um, who was it Elias Diaz or the Rocky but I think I'm gonna go with um, Mr. Brenton. So that's it. That wraps up our home run draft. Torres had Josh Naylor, Kinda Falefa, and David Fletcher, Mendy with Nick Solak. Luis Urias and Ramel Papia, and I have Victor Reyes, JP Crawford, and Lewis Brinson. What should we set the over under at winning this tournament? 20 homers? I like that. Yeah. Yeah, 20. Well, okay. I, I just want to I want to clarify. You <laughs> picked Mendy, you picked Luis Arias or Luis Urias? I, I thought he said Brewers afterwards, so I was assuming he said yeah. you. Urias. It's Urias or something, isn't it? Is that how you yeah, say Urias. it? Yeah, Urias. But oh, you said Brewers, okay. so I, I I heard the Urias, Urias, but then I heard him say Brewers, so I was assuming he meant Urias. On I Brewers. always hear people say the uh, for the Twins, it's Luis Arise. So I always am like, okay, then I can just say, sound really stupid and say Urias or something. And people okay. will know. Oh, so so I thought you picked the twins guy. I, w- I probably would have gone with him. I you want the twins guy? You can take the twins guy. Who do you I want, want the twins guy? I get Instead of who? Falefa Fletcher? Off my team. Get, a, <laughs> Fletcher? get, get kind of Falef off my team. I <laughs> want right. Arias. <laughs> this is the kind of guy I am. You could take back draft picks. Thank it's, you. It's not a big deal. I need to play okay. in more leagues with you. <laughs> Connor Falefa, you can join your teammate on my team. It's okay. We take, we, we're, we don't kick anybody off. <laughs> You want kind of falafel, Dave? Only as my fourth utility bench spot. <laughs> he hasn't sniffed the top three for my team. Ooh, big part of words right there for that draft. All right, yeah. so let's move on to um, runs plus RBIs only, and it's for multi-eligibility players according to NFPC. So um, Torres had the first pick that time. Dave, why don't you start us off this time? Guy hitting the top of the Yankees lineup, DJ LeMahieu. Easy. Let's go. Whoo! I love it. Right off the bat. Bam. Torres, you want go ahead. Start up, go with number two. Bellinger. Cody Bellinger. All right. Wow, you guys are just hammering out picks right now. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go with. I'm gonna go with Wit. Merrifield um, as my first pick. And, uh, man, you know, bef- 
Oh, I think my second pick kind of like changed tonight for some reason. Don't do it, Rob. Don't do it. And I, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to. That's the thing. I don't want to. Um, I'm going to go with Max Muncy. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Um. And let's see, I got another pick here. Or did I make my two? I forget. No, I picked my two, right? Yeah. Yeah, then you did Wit and Max Muncy. Bam. Back to you, Torres. Who do you got? I just feel like it's uh, it's good value. Uh, I'll take Vigio. No. I <laughs> hoping <laughs> he might fall. You know, it's, you know, it's interesting with Vigio. Like, I hear everybody, like, doesn't. Or a lot of people are kind of saying he's going too early, but mm-hmm. he his ADP doesn't really move. Like he keeps going like around pick fifty. Uh, so he's he's an interesting guy this year. No, he is for sure, especially now with the even better lineup <laughs> since the show started. Yeah, yeah. Um, so hey, is- yeah, you got back to back to um to um close out your your run of the draft. Yeah, so it's tough because especially focusing on runs and RBIs, it makes it so there's guys that I'm looking at a little bit more than others. I would love to know where Jeff McNeil is going to hit. If he's going to hit, again, the Mets lineup is that much better right now with Lindor in it. Uh, if McNeil, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take McNeil thinking that hopefully if he's that high batting average guy, again, he could hit the top of the lineup and get a lot of runs and RBIs. And then... I'm going to take one here that I think is a little sneaky. Mm. And I'm going to go Tommy Edmond. Nice. Good pick. I think him, I think people are kind of forgetting his name too, uh, but I think he's going to contribute a lot of steel. He's going to hit the top of that lineup. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to accumulate a lot of those runs uh, for that team. So Tommy Edmond's my guy. I like it. That's a solid pick right there. Um, Torres, who do you got for your last spot? Um, I'm gonna go with Brandon Lau. Oh man, you bastards! (laughs) (laughs) Good pick. He he's Lau, right? The other one's low. He's Lau. Yeah, he's the Lau. Okay, all right. They also have a guy. Wasn't there? I saw today. There's like a Jake Loud in their system too. Come on, come on. No, um, (laughs) uh. Who someone I think uh I forgot who tweeted, I'll have to send it to you guys, but he's like in their double air, triple air or something. Wow. So there's so there's another that's crazy. Oh I, uh, Mike Curlin tweeted it three hours ago. His name's Josh Lau. That's wild. That's wild. Mike Curlin has been tweeting out some like I mean he's putting out like sixteen year old highlight videos and like I mean he's going deep these days. I, yeah, I give that guy credit. Like that's like way I, I can't even imagine having that knowledge of like the uh, of the players you know in the minor leagues. But right, uh, very cool. All right, I'm gonna end off the draft with Moose Mikey Moose Dacus. Nice. Yeah, why not? I'll I'll have Moose, Munchie, and Wit, um, Torres with Brandon Lau, um, 
Bellinger and Biggio and Mendy with DJ LeMahieu, McNeil, and Edmund. I like it. I like it. For the this underdog is, mentality here. This is, so. th- th- is going to be interesting. I think um, we'll do that. Whoever wins, um, we'll have like a, a, you know, like a point system for first, second, third, and the most combined points, um, you know, gets, gets a meal when David comes to Jersey and uh, (laughs) we'll go, you know, we'll have a nice, uh, we'll go to the game, we'll catch a game and, you know, drinks around the guy who comes in last. (laughs) All right, let's do it. All right, cool, man. That's awesome. I, so we banned out a hell of a show, man. I really appreciate you guys coming on um, and bullshitting and, you know, getting all this good stuff out there for people to listen to. And I really enjoyed getting to know you guys. It's it's um really so easy to get in front of the camera, you guys. It felt like I've definitely known you guys for a long time. So um, appreciate it. And if, you know, I'll give you guys the opportunity to, you know, plug away on what you're doing, what you're working on again, you know, where people can find you on Twitter or anywhere else online uh find me at dmendio2 rob i first also want to appreciate uh thank you for having me on uh really appreciate you it like you said it's really uh feels like we've known each other for a long time all three of us for all three of us just doing this together for the first time so it was a blast um but you can find me dmendio2 on twitter and all my work uh i usually will be on my twitter or through fan tracks uh we uh i write for fan tracks a lot of baseball content and all my articles are always on there if you search for my name and my show triple play fantasy we have baseball basketball and football we do regular fantasy shows but we also have interviews with athletes and media personalities and we try to bring a different spin on fantasy not just talk numbers and stuff we try to have a good time try to have some fun play games questions all that type of stuff so uh if you're interested check that out triple play fantasy and again on twitter dmendio2 and check my stuff out fan tracks awesome hell yeah dave keep rocking baby keep putting out that shit man i love it it's great it's great appreciate that man hell yeah yeah about you mr torres tell them about your shaving and yeah so if you want to know more about my beard and facial hair you could uh take a look at my article on friday uh on rasball it'll be about cabrian hayes uh, for the preseason, I'll be putting out an article that will usually be coming out every Friday. Uh, so that's where you could find me there. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Torres Takes. Uh, and, yeah, just really I, I wanted to thank you, Rob, for giving me this opportunity. I mean, that's, you know, again, I'm, I'm just humbled to even be on, on this platform. And uh, I don't know, what do you think our final line was? You know, I, I, I don't know if it was two thirds of an inning seven earned. I, I feel like we, we did okay. I feel like we went, I feel like we, like, um, I feel like maybe even a 10 inning pitch game with 14 strikeouts. Wow. Yeah. It's like a game of the year. Ta- wow. I think you guys knocked it out of the park. I think um, both you guys have hell of a future in this industry. Um, guys are awesome at breaking down players and just great personalities and just ultra approachable. And I think that's going to go hell of a far away. So um, I'm excited to see where you guys are going to take, you know, your futures and um, hoping to do some more of these awesome podcasts together for sure. Yeah. Same with you, Rob. You, you're yeah. killing it. Playing the humble game, but you're killing it, man. Keep doing your, what you're doing as well. Yeah, man. You, you know, everyone's my inspiration and motivation, man. You know, like it, 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 
as simple as that. Um, you know, I looked up to a lot of people trying to get this podcast out and um, now just even picking up on more of the podcasts that are coming out and, you know, everyone's doing their part and it's great. I think it's, you know, to think that you're any like better or, you know, than or worse than anybody isn't the frame of mind that you should be in. You know, you just put, put your mind into your work and good things will come, you know, just be nice to everyone and, you know, take the time out to, extend your time to people like you guys did, you know, just uh, not everyone has two hours to just, you know, come out and, and talk about this stuff. So I really, I know everyone's time is valuable. I say that to everyone, everyone's time is valuable. And, you know, I, I never take that for granted. So appreciate you guys doing that for me. Always, man. Well, thank you. Awesome, man. All right, guys. So, um, yeah, it's been a fun night. We hammered out through a lot of things. We had some crazy updating news and um, with that, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time on the pull Hitter podcast. Take care guys. Have a good night. Alrighty, folks, thanks for tuning in to the Pull Hitter Podcast. Thanks for all the support. Totally means a lot to me. It's really overwhelming the amount of support that the podcast is getting and the amount of good feedback I'm getting. So, um, once again, thanks for listening. It's all up to you guys It's who's making this happen for me. So, God bless and don't be a bag of shit.